Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. 25 degrees. You are joking, aren't you? It'll be 80 degrees Fahrenheit. No, thank you. But the good news is on the horizon, there's a thunderstorm, which is not good news, is it, if you've got a hole in your roof, which a friend of mine has. You just heard him reading the news. He's got a hole in his roof because uh, he was in bed the other week, you know, as one is prone to doing. And and it, it and he, he sort of he woke up because the mattress was wet and he thought he'd gone incontinent. But he hasn't been abroad for ages. And so and then and he checked and there was a hole in the roof. There was a hole in the roof. So he's got to have a, a man round today to try and patch the hole in the roof. Because if we've got thunderstorms as predicted tomorrow night, he might have to blow up his lilo and his little dinghy and row out the door. It's terrible. Terrible. Mind you, it's Doctor Who time again. And because they've made it a woman. I mean, is she going to be a heterosexual woman? Is she trans woman? What sort of woman is she? You know, that's what I want. And also, who cares? It's only a television programme. You know, there's people going, oh, it shouldn't be a woman, it shouldn't be this, shouldn't be that. It doesn't make any difference. It really... Oh, really? The assistant was a lesbian? Good heavens. In Doctor Who? I can't believe it. And what do we call him? He isn't a shape-changer. He's a... They call it a Time Lord, but the Lord bit doesn't mean anything at all, does it? It just means that he can change his shape into anything. I think Darren suggested a toaster earlier on, which I think kind of sums it up, really. Let's have, a, let's have an animated toaster. You know, make it far more entertaining. But it's only just a TV programme. It's not It's not real. You know, somebody will go, OK, cut, bring on the Daleks. Uh, Nick, are you in Dalek 1 today? You know, that's how it is. It's just pretend. It's pretend. Uh, the Middleton family, likened in the papers today to the Kardashians, uh, because they've been to Wimbledon, I think, 17 times. Why do you just stay at home more, Middletons? Uh, and also my driver this morning, who didn't have the faintest idea where we were going. Not the, I mean, he knew we were heading back to here, but that didn't help, really, because he didn't really know the way back to... I felt like saying, I tell you what, next time I'll drive. It'll make it easier. So he said, um, uh, which, which way uh, do you want to go back? Because I, I said, we'll do the 316. He said, well, I don't know the area. I said, well, you came in on the 316. So I'm assuming you can maybe find your way back, but, uh, but he couldn't really. Uh, Eugenie, princess Eugenie, remember? Uh, turned down by a top university. Not uh, not up to scratch, but there again, no big surprise there. And then surprisingly, they admitted her when they discovered who she was. That was good, wasn't it? Only going to prove that uh, she is a bit dim, but she manages to make it into a university. So thereby, uh, by fair meal means or foul. Uh, also, Love Island Olivia in sex plot to win. I mean, would it not be easier just to put hookers next year? For Love Island, you don't actually need to sort of put ordinary members of the uh, lower end of society in there. Why don't you just book hookers? And then, you know, it won't come as such a surprise when people have sex on television. There's one of the girls in the paper today. They say, so-and-so's just had sex. And I'm thinking, is, is this what this whole programme's about? But one of them, they say, in a, in a sex plot to win. Well, unless she's going to go into the industry, I can't see any advantage there, dear. Unless you've got a strict, uh, you know, sort of on those trick pelvises or something. What's the point of doing it? What is the point of going onto a television programme than having sex with some Neanderthal who's got tattoos all the way up his arm? Also, I mean, what is the point of that? Why don't you just advertise in a phone box and get paid for it each and every time you do it? Because, frankly, the programme has plumbed some depths I didn't even think were possible. Ed Sheeran has done something wonderful. 10,000 of his tickets have started appearing on websites. People who've bought them and then they're, they're touting the tickets to get more money. And Ed Sheeran's reacted um, badly. So he's cancelled all those 10,000 tickets and, uh, and he's, he's putting them up for resale again. So the touts are stuck with a ticket and a piece of paper that is totally worthless. 
are. Uh, also, the Ryanair crew who refused oxygen for a patient with a lung disease. Because did you know, and I didn't know this, but I'm assuming if you have a lung disease, then you would be used to having oxygen, wouldn't you? You would have oxygen and you go onto the plane and they sort of plug you in and all the rest of it. Well, on Ryanair, and I do not know if this works for all the other airlines, you have to pre-book oxygen. So in other words, if you're going to be sitting there on a seat go, they want to make sure that you've got your own oxygen with you or you buy 50 quid gets you oxygen on Ryanair. This bloke didn't pay the 50 quid. And so he starts asking for auction. They go, no, you're not paid for it. I mean, it seems a bit dark. And then, of course, people get up in arms over the whole thing. And you think, well, you know, if you need oxygen, you're supposed to take it on with you. Can't you read? The answer is probably not. Uh, also, the stalking faker jailed for lying to the police. This is a really good story. This is another one of these bewildered doolally people. And uh, she complained to the police that a man was stalking her uh, by email and writing all sorts of things to her, obscenities and everything else. And then he managed to get onto the roof of uh, of the shed next to her house and all the rest. So she called called the police. Police come round. And she was getting these on a regular basis. Literally a, a, the regular basis. And so the police were questioning her. But they noticed one thing that was odd. While they were talking to her, no emails arrived. So they then sort of traced it all backwards. And they discovered she'd registered herself online as another person. She was sending them to herself She's been sent to prison for two years. So that's good news, isn't it? Uh, also, what's the other one? Oh, yes, the thief critical after the moped he was on hit a police car. I can't help feeling good. Three people on a moped driving through London. Apparently, they're wanted in connection with a robbery. I've had enough of this now. I think it's about time the police were sort of allowed to just arrest people. With, I mean, three people on a moped. I'm sorry. You know, and one of them's critical. Well, what can we do, ladies and gentlemen? We have to sit back and go, well, kind of your own fault, isn't it? You drive through the streets of London, no insurance, no licence, no nothing, and one of you hits a police car and you go to hospital. I've got no sympathy whatsoever, absolutely zero. Although I did have sympathy for a caller to Darren earlier on when they were talking about, you know, acid attacks and things like that. And some caller got through, God knows how, who was advocating we bring back the treadmill, if you please. The treadmill, as if we were sort of, you know, going back out to Australia, you know, and you sort of work on the treadmills out there. And this poor old soul, I'm assuming was on major medication, was sort of advocating the treadmill again. I've never anything really like it. I thought, are you in the real world or something? And that, and that would sort of put them off re-offending. How this caller got on, I'll never know. I've got no idea. Presumably we were training somebody up and they just went, yeah, hey, I'll put you on. That's OK. Treadmill, yeah, that's a good idea. Hanging, brilliant. Here we go, put you on now. Ridiculous. I wonder who that could have been. Somebody spent the weekend in a field, I should imagine, living in a very small tent. I didn't tell you about that, did I? No, I'm about to. (laughs) What's the matter with you recently? You must have gone round the bend. First of all, you go down to Brighton. You get yourself very drunk down there with somebody inappropriate. Then you go to see you two, and again. Then you lose your glasses in the field. He's lost... His sun, he broke his sunglasses. Well, how do you break sunglasses? How is it possible? Yeah, but how did you break them? I don't understand how you break sunglasses. They're on your face. How do you break them? Oh, you had them in your shirt. What a silly place to put them, isn't it? And then they fell to the floor and you trod on them. Yeah, so now you don't have any. I, I said to him, I said, listen, I've got loads of pairs of Ray-Bans. But, you know, having heard that call at the beginning of the programme this morning, no chance of the Ray-Bans now. No chance whatsoever. <laughs> it's just, I can't, but I've never broken a pair of sunglasses. I'm very lucky. 
Mainly because I spend so much on them, I look after them really carefully. And I've got a nice pair that he likes. It's a really nice pair. They're sort of mirrored underneath. They're, they're a bit cool. But I've got, I counted up the other day, I've got ten pairs of Ray-Bans at home. I've got two in the car, three in the boot, and the rest of them are upstairs in the kitchen. Ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, living in the suburbs could cut your chances of dementia. Is Twickenham classed as the suburbs? I don't know. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, yes, the woman who has her bike stolen. It's quite common. You know, if you've got an expensive bike, people nick them. Thieves. You know, people should have their hands chopped off as far as I'm concerned. And so she had her bike nicked. Anyway, she then hatches a plot. She finds it on eBay. She finds it. The good thing is that the bloke has done it all up. He's put a new light on the front and everything else. So she goes around posing as a customer. And she's got a packet of cigarettes with nothing in it. She just put a little bit of a weight in there to make him think it was keys. In fact, she did. I think she did put some keys in there. And so she said, can I just take it for a spin? She got, First of all, she phones the police and says, listen, I'm going around to try and claim my bike back. And the police went whistle. Basically, we're not going to come and do anything because, you know, that's, they're far too busy appearing on the interceptors and everything else. And, um, and so she goes around there. She gets the bike and she says to the bloke, can I hold on to my keys? I'll just take it for a little spin. So she pedals off immediately. So she gets the bike back. So that's good, isn't it? I'd have taken down a big six foot bloke and gone like that. You'd have gone down like a sack of potatoes. But she got the bike back. But I'm not encouraging violence. I'm just saying if somebody had nicked my and I don't even have a bike, I'd do it for anybody else. But I thought she was very, I thought she was very intuitive. I thought that was really good. And she got the bike back. Because these people who steal bikes, as I say, you know, she'd be taken out and shot, I think. Uh, also, the, do you remember the girl of 15 in the park who died of a, of a drugs overdose thing? She had a reaction to a drug. Now, I've said this before, that you can find people who take ecstasy or MDF or whatever. MDF, I don't know what they take. I've got no idea. What's MDF? I've, I've eaten a wardrobe. <laughs> I was trying to get a high off the laminate and um, MDF. And so um, anyway, so she, she takes this legal high. Now, sometimes people have adverse reactions to drugs. It doesn't matter whether it's ecstasy or all these other bits and pieces they take out there or cocaine or anything. And this particular girl died as a result. Now, other people in her group had also taken this drug. They're sitting in a park taking it. Duh. I'm sick to death of over the years having to explain to young people. She was 15. You know, not stupid, but surely if you read the papers every day, if you put something into your body that you don't know the origins of, there is a chance, if it's called a drug and you paid a drug dealer for it, does that not give you the clue that this thing might react badly to you? I mean, I wouldn't even dream in my wildest dreams of taking anything that I didn't know anything about. You know, for somebody to give you a tablet and go, take that, you'll, you'll feel great. And you go, what for? Where, where is it made? What are the ingredients? You don't know. So she takes it and dies. So now they're trying to find out the dealer. Shouldn't take too long. It'll be a 20-year-old, probably a druggie himself. And, uh, and again, I don't know what more you can do to save your children from taking drugs that kill them. Not every drug kills. It's only some people who have allergic reactions. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really dangerous. It's like I was complaining bitterly a while ago, Daniela Westbrook claiming that her drug dealer was contacting her. Give the number to the police, dear. Why are you faffing around with the newspapers? Go to the police. This is the drug dealer. That This is who he is. This is where he lives. Really annoys me. Really annoys me. Uh, what else do we have today, which I quite like? Oh, fish and slips. A fish and chip shop owner is being targeted by people trying to claim money off him through... Uh, you know, they give you a little um, a wooden thing that you can stick in your chips... Why you can't use your fingers, girly boys? I've got no idea. You just pick up chips. Da-da. Chip, mouth. Chip, mouth. 
And this is a, it's a chip stick. It's what? Well, you pick it up with your fingers. What do you mean? Oh, God. You really... Small wonder you can't cope with camping. Although, actually, I think you're doing quite a good job this morning. But anyway, so... And so he's got this, this little chip fork. So it's a little piece of wood, and you stick it in there. How do you eat the fish? You just pick it up and stick it in your mouth. I mean, it's like, how do you eat fish fingers? Do you cut them? Do you cut fish... Oh, for goodness sake, you don't. Tell me you don't. Oh, put gloves on. I'll bring you in some of my gloves. I've got loads of rubber gloves at home. I've got a box of 150 pairs. Well, they say there's 150 pairs, but they're very good. They're very useful for gardening. Because when you, when you put the glove on and you start doing the gardening, yes, and then you go, twing, like that, and the plants go, <laughs> they start getting a bit nervous. You know what plants are like. I've got some flowers growing at the moment. Well, not mine. They're just growing. But they're huge. They're like 10 foot tall with the biggest head on you've ever seen. I mean, like enormous, enormous. Anyway, so apart from that, we're, we're looking for the thieves who uh, thieve Lego. There's some people who've been out thieving Lego. Two men and two women. wonder where they will be coming from. And, uh, and the, uh, the other one, Fury at the Stars pay at the BBC. They say that women are earning less than men. Well, so they might be. But that's up to their agents, isn't it, to negotiate a fee so that people know exactly what it is. It's like coming here. I don't know. You know, whether or not female presenters at LBC get paid more than men. I've really got no idea and couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. And unless you're really, really insecure about your money. You know, if, if, you're a, if you're a bus driver and you're a man, do you earn exactly the same as the women who are driving the buses or are the different pay scales? Because in entertainment and in newspapers, for columnists and stuff like that, there, are, there is, there is a, a, a pay for the job. If you don't want to do the job, don't, don't take it. But it never bothers me, you know, whether or not somebody's earning more money than me. I'm assuming... You know, there will be people at LBC who are earning more money than me. But then I would expect that. But, why, you know, if it worries you, leave. Go and do something else. Not me. Oh, and Bear Grylls. He's got a new clause in his contract. He will not do nudity anymore. I wasn't aware he had done nudity. Oh, has it? Oh, right, he has. What was this festival you were sitting in a field for in a one-man tent with two of you in? Dear Lord, what was it called? Attitude. Oh, right. What? The... Attitude with an L. Latitude. All right, it's only because you can't speak English properly that I'm questioning it. So, latitude. What does that mean? Is that sort of something to do with the compass and all the rest of it? Were there any sort of big groups there, like the Rolling Stones and things like that? The Who? Anybody like that? Steps? None of my generation. (laughs) Yeah, my generation's still going. Your generation, they're peaking already, aren't they? Was it posh middle class? What were you doing there, then? Waitrose? Really? In a field? He was in a tent. He had to share a tent with another one of the boys at LBC. And it was a one-man tent. Was it, did it have a pole up the middle? Or was it not one of those sort of tents? Did it have... I don't know, because I, I, I had a one-man tent years ago. A Blacks of Greenock tent, which was lovely. With a sewn-in ground sheet and a zip door. And that was, that was a one-pole tent. But it... What was yours? Was your... Two-pole tents? God, it was like a circus tent. Oh, right. It, it did what? Sorry. It... it it was. <laughs> I quite like camping, but not, not in this day and age. Seriously, it's, it's, you know, sitting in the middle of a field without proper toilet facilities, you know, and also in a tent with somebody who snores is going to be a nightmare. Were they, oh, you in the posh bit? Did you have, I bet there were people there with really posh tents, though, weren't there? I bet there were some really, really flash tents. Did they have yurts there? Yeah, a couple. Yurts are really fashionable, aren't they? But the trouble is, if you're going to a festival like that, apparently you're supposed to slum it. I don't know why. It doesn't... 
Not it, this isn't a slumming it sort of thing. Is it posh Suffolk? Gosh, that sounds good. And they had showers and everything. What been called? I don't know. I've never been to this kind of thing. I don't know before. I'm way too old for doing fest. No, thank you. <laughs> you wouldn't get me sitting in a field in Suffolk. That, what, what, what sort of time of year is it? What I have to take? I mean, because I've got two suitcases, one for all the medicine and the cosmetics and the skin creams and everything else. <laughs> and then the other for all the different outfits, because each day I'd have to have a different outfit on. So would there be enough room in the tent for that, for my two suitcases? And probably th- You make room. Yeah, you can do. You could sleep outside if it's nice weather. Do you know what you're not supposed to do when you go camping? If it rains, don't touch the tent. If you touch the roof of the tent, that then makes it start leaking. It's like if, if ever you go camping in the forest, do not pitch your tent under trees, which we did one year. And you know why? Because in the morning, all the dew from the trees falls onto the tent and you can't pack the tent up until it's dry. So because you can't pack it up wet because it'll rot it. But, uh, yeah, never touch the tent when it's when it's raining, because otherwise that sort of opens up a little little channel. Because I used to do quite a lot of camping, quite a lot of camping in my early days. Savanac Forest for the Duke of Edinburgh's award, you know, sitting in the... You know, when you're a kid in the garden, you go, I'm going to I'm going to sleep in the garden tonight, mum. And she goes, well, you'll be in later. And you go, no, I won't. I'm fine. Come 11 o'clock, you're back inside because it's a bit scary in the garden, isn't it? In a field, though, which is probably the habitat of foxes and stuff like that. I wouldn't fancy that idea. But uh, there were two of them in the tent. It was lovely. They, they sent me some pictures of them in the tent. One half naked and the other one fully clothed. I'll let you work out which way round it is. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Apparently, the BBC have been forced to publish their presenter's salary, says Kevin. They won't do it. I know they, they haven't... You can't make somebody publish somebody's salary. It's private. You can say it's between this and this amount. There is no way that presenters on the BBC will have their salaries. Or they could say that so many people earn more than £150,000, but they will not be telling you what they think. All they'll be doing is basing it on, depending on if if these presenters have got companies, then you can check it that way. But uh, I would think that that was a a, a betrayal of a confidence. Why should you have to tell people? It's not like being, you know, a ticket inspector or something like that, or a bus driver or train driver, where they're published salaries. Presenters' salaries are not published because every presenter earns earns different money. You know, there are, there are, even on LBC, well, same on every station that we own, everybody would be different. I would think, I would think that the main presenter on the breakfast programme would be the biggest earner. Early breakfast is quite close behind. But anyway, so, I mean, I'm just sort of thinking, you know, bre- it's got the word breakfast in it. If it's got the word breakfast in it, I think that's uh, your par for the course on that one. But that's why. All you can do is sort of check it probably with Company's House and see, because a lot of these presenters have their money paid through a company. And they pay themselves dividends. That's how it works. It depends if you're earning serious money. I would think, you know, on the on the BBC, there would be most of their news presenters would be earning in excess of £120,000 a year. I would think so. And there would be some presenters on there who would be earning, you know, quite a lot. In fact, we just saw Lorraine Kelly, didn't we? They said it was a £2.5 million deal, but it's over two years. That's over two years. So it's only a million pounds a year. And if she gets a good order, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to... You know, what audience you get. There's no point in paying somebody a lot of money to be a presenter if they cannot produce the audience. That's what you stand and fall on. The BBC, it's not so... They're not so bothered about it. Otherwise, half the one show would have vanished because there's way too many people working on a show that really doesn't produce enough audience. And there's loads of programmes that don't produce enough audience. But in commercial radio, it's completely different. You have to produce the audience figure. If you don't get the audience figures, there's no point in them keeping you. 
It, it really, it, it just wouldn't be cost effective. No point in paying me if I don't get a spike in the morning at 4am. You know, if all of a sudden the audience tiddled off at that time, of the, that'd be completely different. They'd be going, there's no point in keeping Steve Allen. And I've always, you know, I've always known that. So it's up to me to make sure that the programme gets an audience. And luckily, it does. And if it increases it, which it did last time, even better. You know, once you put on, you know, huge amounts, you know, if you put on three or four people, that's no use whatsoever. Put on, you know, 100,000, 200, that's, that's called good in this business. You know, people are fighting for an audience. I don't think a lot of presenters are aware that they're fighting for an audience. I think you, I'm, I'm very much aware that you have to make sure that you're sort of delivering what the audience want. Or as near as you can. Somebody did write to me, though, a while ago and say, I've got a diary. I've got because this is how the figures are worked out. It's on and people get diaries. And I've only ever known two people in my life have a diary. And I've always thought, I've thought it was a fairly dangerous thing to have because you can boost somebody's figures up quite, uh, quite quickly. So if ever your figures jump beyond all reasonable doubt, I'm always slightly sceptical, slightly. So it'll be interesting to find out, Kevin, if they do print. I mean, I think you're all expecting a list of all the presenters on the BBC and next to them what their salary is. But you don't know what the salary includes. You don't know if Gary Lineker, say, earns a million pounds a year, whether that includes, you know, 10 personal appearances for this, six of that. You know, you don't know. It's because each contract is different. Uh, Sai says, well done, Ed Sheeran. It's got my day off to a good start. Always cheers me up to hear about scumbag touts getting a bit of their own medicine. Well, they won't be very happy. Because what he's done is um, he's sort of put 10,000 back into the, the system again and he's cancelled the other 10,000. Which, to be honest with you, it's only done for... Gre- one couple, apparently, or one person, a person, has put their pair of tickets up for sale for £174,000. I mean, they're not going to get 174000 Most people just sort of double them. And Paul says, I heard Darren Adam talking about the Doctor Who casting a woman on the front page news. Do we not have more important things to worry about? Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. And yet it's on the front of all the uh, all the papers this morning. In case of Doctor Who's going to be a woman. Ooh, you know. I mean, it's, it is literally. I mean, it's the front page on the sun. Jodie is first woman doctor. Who gives us stuff? Who gives us stuff? Daily Mirror, about time, Lord. OK. And she's on the front page of the Express. And she's on the front page of the Mail. And the front page of the Guardian. And she's on the... Uh, oh, not the front page of the Times. But she is on the front page of the Telegraph. I mean, God, what times are we living in? You know, wouldn't it a lot been easier if they put a transgender one on? It could be anybody. It's it's only a pretend programme. It doesn't really exist. There is no Doctor Who. There is no TARDIS. There are no Exterminate. It's all pretend. It's for doolally people. It's been going 54 years. Should have been put out to pasture years ago. But they're on the 13th Time Lord. And people like to go into the conventions. John Pertwee told me ages ago when I interviewed him, I, I said, uh, I said, you know, do, do you go to the conventions? He said, I do. He said, I go to the conventions, he said, and, and, and the fans go, you know, when you did this, was it that? He said, and I would say to them, do you know, that's amazing that you've worked that out. He said, I didn't have the faintest idea what they were talking about because he's just an actor. Like, she is just an actor. She will go there. She will read the lines. She isn't actually going to exterminate anybody. You know, she's not going to sort of be grappled by a swamp creature. She's just another incarnation of the sonic screwdriver. I'm telling you now, is just a screwdriver with a blooming torch in it. All right? You know, and the, and the, that, that sink plunger that the Daleks are holding at the top, you know, exter- there's a person in there. All right? 
the Cybermen. It's people with a helmet on, OK? They can't see where they're going. That's where they walk into things. Who else was scary in it? Nobody, really. They've had loads of Doctor Who assistants, and it was all a bit exciting. I like the Peter Cushing films. Daleks Extermination Earth or something like that. Because I thought the Daleks were the best thing in it. I had a Dalek, as indeed every child did of that era. But it's only... So it's a woman Doctor Who. It really making a difference to your life. There's people up in arms over it. People going, can't believe it, it's dreadful, it shouldn't be this, it shouldn't be... It doesn't matter. As I say, as Darren said, it could be a toaster. I think it could have been a teapot. Far more entertaining as far as that. Oh, look at the time. I'm always late for these sort of things. And, uh, right, what are we going to do? Oh, yes, the other side. I'll tell you about the fish and chip boss who people are trying to take to court over things that they say, you know, oh, we burnt our finger on the chips or we'd, or the vinegar splashed on this. And you think, God in heaven, what a mamby-pamby world we've turned into. Mainly in this country. Mainly in this country. You know, people sort of sue left, right and centre. A lot of them get caught out because they turn out to be fake. Um, and the, what was the other one? Oh, I quite like the, uh, the story about Camilla. Is she winning the nation's backing to become the Queen? I don't think so. I don't think so. But she celebrates her 70th birthday. She's probably quite charming. She's probably quite charming, but it's the dilution of the royal family. Very shortly, we'll have sort of... In fact, did they not do... I'm sure a thing years ago where it turned out the Queen had to go and live on a council estate somewhere. Was that Sue Townsend book? Might have been. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a really great programme covering Barbara Windsor's birthday last Friday, says Bob. So many stars and friends telling great stories of her. Oh, there are stories. And there's probably stories that are not repeatable. But uh, that's for another time, as they say. I was right, actually. There, is a, there was a book called The Queen and I, written by Sue Townsend. And this is how the, uh, the royal family uh, were ousted by the People's Rep- uh, Republican Party government, uh, elected by the British people, and they had to move on to a council estate. And uh, so they went there. They went to Hellebore Close, aptly known as Hell Close. And uh, they had to try and sort of get everything down and sort of scale everything down. And all the, the Queen's visited by a social worker, but she don't, won't let her in. And uh, Philip can't cope with the situation. He refuses to eat. He's annoyed by sharing a bed with his wife. And then Charles discovers his great love of gardening. Uh, Charles is later imprisoned, of course, uh, for attacking a, a police officer, a crime he didn't actually commit. His sister Anne takes up with a local handyman. Andrew, Duke of York, briefly mentioned to be serving aboard a submarine under the Arctic ice cap. Shame they brought him back. And the Queen Mother is the oldest, but she learns very fast how to cope with the new situation. But uh, even in the poor circumstances of Hellebore Close, she can't stop herself from betting on horses. Her death shakes the whole neighbourhood. Everybody takes part in her cheap but solemn funeral. A disgruntled fishmonger and his wife start a campaign to bring our monarch back under the acronym BOMB. B-O-M-B. And so it goes on. But then it's revealed at the end that the whole story is a nightmare. The Queen wakes to find the Conservatives have won the election instead, as indeed actually happened. And John Major has remained Prime Minister. In 2006, there was a sequel, Queen Camilla, in which the royal family still live in Hellclose and Jack Barker is still in power. <sighs> Don't you love to look when it, the whole thing turns out to be a dream? But uh, they were all in it. Edward, uh, Prince Edward, is absent for most of the novel. He's producing a play in New Zealand. Uh, he's forced to marry the Japanese princess Sakio. And uh, Harris... Oh, the Queen's bought another corgi. She's got another corgi. It was in the papers the other day. Having sworn blind, she was never going to get another corgi. She likes it. I never like corgis. It's nothing to do with the royal family. I just don't sort of, I just don't like corgis. They're not sort of doggy dogs, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know why. Is that odd? Why would you not think a corgi? It's like sausage dogs, dachshund, or as they call them in America, dachshunds. And you think, uh, I mean, again, they're just sort of odd. They're just sort of, it's the way they walk, isn't it? 
I was reminded of the one who was in Toy Story, and I always imagined they, they looked like that. Uh, so the, uh, the Labour have admitted that this £100 billion plan to cancel student debt is just an idea. There's no chance that they can actually do it. They don't have the money. They, don't, they, they won't be able to find the money. But it's a good wheeze, isn't it? It's a good wheeze for sort of getting people to... So all the students will be going, quick, vote here. We won't have to pay student fees. No. Unfortunately, you know, you could vote till the cows come home. And if you think they're going to cancel student fees, better think again. Uh, also, uh, stores urged to scrap the use-by dates to cut food waste. Because do you... I mean, I, I do this all the time. You go through the fridge and you go, oh, pass it sell-by. Oh, pass it sell-by. And so I'm ending up, because the sell-by dates only appear to be like two or three dates in the in the future. Oh, I had another incident in Marks and Spencer's the other day. A new bloke, and um, I'd never seen him before. And so I had a basket with three bottles of Prosecco and uh, a couple of sandwiches and bits and pieces, you know. Saved me going to Costco, which I'll have to do today. And uh, so I got there, I said, oh, I'll have two Tempe carrier bags. So I, I knew we were on a, a hiding to nothing. When he takes the carrier bags and puts them down in front of me, he doesn't open them, he puts them down in front of me, and then starts going through the thing. So I go, are you putting the food in the bag? Which is what they do in Marks and Spencers. That's what they do. That's why you pay for Marks and Spencers. They put the food, they pack your bag. This idiot didn't know how to pack a bag. So he puts three bottles of Prosecco in one bag. I said, would it not be better to split the, uh, the, the Prosecco into two bags? I mean, where they got him from, God alone knows. But I hope to God he's not there today. Because he was blooming useless. And then when he packed the other stuff in, he just threw it in the bag. He didn't, he didn't make any effort to pack the bag whatsoever. That's only the second time it's ever happened in all the years I've been going there. Better not happen again, I tell you. Oh, blimey. These people, where do they get them from? Attitude. Attitude. We don't want it. Uh, Len says, how do you calculate your ratings? I've got no idea. Don't ask me. It's done on a diary system. People get these diaries and they fill in what they listen to the radio. And based on that, they say that's the nearest uh, way that you can work out. I mean, I don't care. As long as they go up, I don't care. I really don't care. It makes no difference to me. That's all any radio presenter wants to hear. Whenever it comes round to, which we call it, radar time, uh, people start getting a bit nervous. And then people start asking questions. They go, have you heard anything? And people go, no, nothing yet. And I, I always sort of gauge it by the management. I have to look at them. If they walk in and smile, I think, oh, that's OK. If they, if, if they walk in and they walk straight past you, they don't say anything. That's sort of a day for going on to Valium or something like that and trying to calm yourself down. Because it's, it's a worrying time. Radio presenters stand and fall on their, on their audience figures. You know, that's, that's how it works. You're commercial. The bigger the audience, the more the advertising department can sell your programme. And the more advertising you've actually got, the more successful the programme is. So if you don't have a big audience, the advertising department can't sell it to people because the advertisers go, let's have a look at Steve Allen's audience. So they'll look at it and go, oh, it's not as big as we were sort of hoping at that time of the morning. Now, of course, you know, we don't need to worry about things like that. But you've still got to maintain the standard. That's how it works. The more successful you are, the bigger the audience the more the advertisers like it because the advertisers want to appeal to people on a programme that's got a big audience. There's no point in appearing, you know, on a programme that doesn't have any audience. And at four o'clock in the morning, luckily, or at 20 to five, 20 to, I know people who wake up specifically to listen to this programme. I think after, I think mainly people in hospitals, but they, uh, you know, then afterwards people say, oh, I'm, I might go to sleep now or something like that. But I always think this is a great time in the morning. It doesn't matter if you're driving for a living or you're going to get your train out or your bus out or something. I love it. I love it. It's a great time in the morning. It's wonderful. It's not nice when it's raining outside and we have to walk down to the bus stop, but it doesn't make any difference, you know, on the day. I mean, so I'm assuming tomorrow will be nice 
Today's going to be 25 degrees, which is about 80, isn't it? 50 and add 30, so about 80 degrees. And, uh, and then tomorrow night, thunderstorms. In other words, every plant's going to look as though it's been decimated, so I'm going to drench them all today. So I was talking to my next-door neighbour, and uh, I said, it's amazing how many people think that when it rains, you don't need to water your plants. I said, unfortunately, we do. And uh, anybody who does that. So I've tomorrated, and I'm all, I'm all sort of there. It's all singing, it's all dancing, and I'm all, uh, all ready for it. But I don't, I don't really want a thunderstorm. I don't mind hearing the noise. That doesn't bother me. But it's just that uh, I would rather not have it at this time of year. Uh, what have we got? We've got uh, Ed Sheeran, the thief critical. After his uh, moped hit a cop car, there were three of them riding on a moped. They were wanted in connection with a robbery and they ended up crashing because there were three of these dipsticks on a moped. I'm sorry if you're stupid enough to put three people on a moped, then uh, you're, you're dumb enough to drive into a, into a police car and uh, go straight to hospital. I mean, seriously, these people. It's like the, uh, the moped gangs who are going around London now nicking your phone. I've told you a million times, do not stand by the side of the road on your telephone, OK? If you get it nicked, it's your own problem, because you've been told a million times. Newspapers have told you, you've seen the pictures of these gangs. They're on there, there'll, be the, there'll be always be two of them. Because the one at the front, the girly one, is trying to drive the little thing, and the one at the back is going to grab your telephone. And people stand by the side of the road doing texts. Not me. Not me. Never, ever, ever. Wouldn't even dream of it. If I get in the car and my phone's on the front seat, lock the doors. I'm not, you know, anybody tries it with me, they're going to be in for a bit of a shock. But anyway, that's another story. Um... So the advice is don't, don't stand by the side of the road. People do, they're waiting for taxis. They'll stand by the side of the road for playing with the phone. Somebody goes past, it takes but a second, grabbed it, gone. And what are you going to do, run after them? Of course not. They're they're prepared to drive down the pavement. Me, I'll be shoving an umbrella through the spokes of the moped, knocking them off. That's why I'm glad that these these three had an accident. That'll be good. So we've caught three, let's kick these tow rags off the street. And also the people, did I really hear somebody who who thought this throwing acid in people's faces was sort of an okay kind of thing? My God, there's some thick people out there, aren't there? People like that should be locked up. Mind you, shortly they probably will be, I should imagine. But uh, yeah, so the latest thing of grabbing people's bikes and throwing acid in their face, it should carry a life sentence. As far as I'm concerned, you know, you go to prison for life. And I think what we do is, is we need to change the law. When we say life, we mean life. It's as simple as that. Let's not faff around with, you know, 10 years or 20 years. No, life. You stay there and you die in prison. You know, I think that's the best thing for them. Or failing that, we just sort of build an island somewhere and just shove them all on there. And put lots of sharks around the outside. Go, if you want to risk swimming, risk swimming. I don't think we should bother with these people. They don't, they don't deserve to have a place in, uh, in human society. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, yes, the um, uh, minted, the coin boss who has even charged his morning Bloody Mary to the taxpayer. Who drinks Bloody Marys in the morning? Do people drink... Oh, dear, do they really? They can't do... Can, I couldn't... Oh, I couldn't drink a Bloody Mary in the morning. I could drink something on a, on a, on a flight. I could drink a tomato juice on a flight. I couldn't drink a Bloody Mary. In fact, even thinking about it makes me feel quite queasy. After we did the story yesterday, and it was the girl. She's a size six, which is not, not very big at all. She can eat 22 Big Macs in an hour. 22, I mean, you look at the size of the Big Mac and you think, oh, my God, it's like man versus food on the Food Channel. This bloke who consumes huge amounts. She doesn't put on any weight at all. Where it goes to, I've got no idea. We all want to know the secret of that one. You can eat as much as you like and you don't put any weight on. She's still about seven stone, six pounds or something. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? I want to know what her secret is. I want to know. Uh, Mohammed says, I normally listen to your show from Dubai. I'm currently in Hawaii. 
But I've managed to tune and I'm enjoying the show. Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii, actually. I've always quite fancied it. I quite fancy the, the food. But on the other hand, having said that, I don't know what the food is in Hawaii. I just assumed it was rice. I don't know why. I've got this thing about aloha, rice and pineapple. Why? Uh, I think that's an odd thing to think. Probably wrong. Uh, Angela says, damn you, I automatically wake up at 10 to 4 every morning. I know, once you've got into the habit of waking up at 10 to 4, you can't not wake up at 10 to 4, can you? You sort of do it, you go, what's the time? Oh, it's 10 to 4. How have I managed that? Even on my days off, I wake up early. Even my days off, I wake up early. There's nothing you could do about it. I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of one of those people who, because I've been doing it for so long, it doesn't, it doesn't pose any problem to me because I can always amuse myself at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, either watering the plants or something like that. If I'm, uh, if I'm not working, we've got a big bike ride uh, coming up the end of the month. It's one of these cycle things that goes out into the countryside and comes back again. It's going to be a bright pain in the rear end, as usual, for those of us who have to work on a Sunday trying to get into London or failing that, trying to get back out of London. Because I think Twickenham will be closed down. Why we've got to suffer, I've got no idea. Send them somewhere else. Don't send them round our way. We're sick to death of it. Producer loves it. Cycling and all this kind of thing. Me, I can't bear it. I'd happily sort of divert them. Okay, river this way. Go on, off you go. See them all piling into the Thames down by Twickenham. Just add interest to it, as far as I'm concerned. Because I can, I can probably get out of London. I can. And there's a place I park in London when we have events in town, which seems to be, according to this current attention-seeking mayor, anything so he can get a photograph of himself with a load of celebrities doing something interesting. And so, you know, I can probably get out of London, I just can't get back home. You feel like saying to me, excuse me, would you be barring the Queen from getting into Buckingham Palace? I just want to get home. Oh, you can't, Road, road's closed, mate. What am I supposed to do, just sit here? God, they don't care, do they? They really don't give a stuff about it. Uh, medics, in parking fury. I'll tell him how much they want. 13 million, the parking company wants. They say, you've been getting away with it for too long. It's an, uh, an NHS hospital, and the court has now ordered them to pay these fines for parking at work. They've avoided the fines for ages and ages. So it's got as far as the court, and the court said you will pay, I think it's 12.8 million. One nurse owes £150,000. So in other words, what they've been doing is obviously parking there, getting parking tickets and just ignoring them. I'm a nurse. And I understand that. Don't get me wrong, because you know what some of these parking companies are like. And... um, and so they, they've gone to court over it. And the court said, yes, they will have to pay. So this one nurse here um, says it's... I mean, the campaigner, Sue Price, says it's disgusting. This ruling is devastating for doctors and nurses across the country. It's a hell of a lot of money, isn't it? £12.8 million. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Lucas thinks it's because I'm thinking of Hawaiian pizza, which has got pineapple on it. You might be right. It could be word association. I don't, I'm not too sure, actually, about that. But you're right, because I thought Hawaii, and I thought, I don't know what Hawaiian food is. I'm assuming it'd probably be fish. For some reason, I thought it was rice and pineapple. And I suddenly realised what a boring combination that would be. Rice and pineapple. Although, actually, if I think about it, I might try it later on. I might do some Uncle Ben's vegetable rice, golden vegetable rice, pound in Iceland, and a packet of that, and then get a tin of pineapple, drain that off, and put that in there. Sounds disgusting, doesn't it, really? You're quite right, actually. It's not a good idea. Although Lucas is another one who says, uh, who was talking about, you know, people getting over themselves, you know, about it's a female Doctor Who. He says, you just need to calm down. He said, it's a TV show. She's playing an alien. Just shush with the hate. I know I can't, but I mean, I'm amazed that people are so, so up in arms over it. It's, it's a TV programme and she's in it. And so, you know, 13 years, big bloody deal. Who cares? 
Who cares? I couldn't care less. I mean, would you be equally up in arms, people, if we told you that, in fact, the Daleks, it's mainly women in them? You know, the Daleks are women. You know, and people go, no, they're not. The Daleks are butch. They would have to be extermin. No, no, no. All women. All women in the Daleks. Because they're the only ones who can fit inside there. Because I hate to tell you that they're not actually real. They're on casters, OK? And they just push them around a little bit. There's no electric motors in there or anything like that. I've seen inside a Dalek. It's nothing to write home about. Uh, also, I've got to tell you this story about this girl, because you, there are stupid people in the world. And here's one today. Emily Jo Banks. Double-barrelled. Kind, of, uh, kind of fits, doesn't it, really? A rather stupid person. Uh, she's 23. And she claimed she was being stalked. She told police a man was targeting her in 2015. OK, so you, look, you don't have to look at a picture of her to realise she's not the full ticket. Uh, she claimed that the stalker spied on her in her back garden, sent threatening texts, attacked her and climbed onto her garage. She was snared. She comes from Folkestone. She was snared when the text stopped while the police were with her. They found she was logged into social media as the man and sent the text herself. She'd been sent to prison now for 18 months. I'd have sent her to prison for 10 years. Teach people like that a lesson. She's quite clearly a bit stupid. And uh, Detective Constable Natasha Russell said she's wasted the time of hard-working officers. Exactly. But you get that, don't you? Janine Andrews, another classic one. We were attacked by the side of the road, you lying old bag. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. That's why you're in prison. This one is just stupid. Wasting police time. So did he send it? Yeah, she was making it all up for herself. She's obviously an attention seeker. She's obviously not, as I say, the full ticket. And uh, now she can find comfort in the fact she's in prison with a lot of other stupid people. The hospital fine thing is very interesting. I don't know how long this has been going on. Uh, they say that one, one nurse could actually have to sell her home to pay the fine. OK, now I understand how fines work. You go into a car park, but this is at University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff. For every ticket that they've received, they have to pay £128, plus 26000 in court fees. In a battle with Indigo, which is the company running the car park, they have accrued 100,000 unpaid tickets between them, meaning they owe £12.8 So quite clearly they were going in there and just not paying the tickets. Which, you know, if you're going into work in a hospital, but if I come into work here and I go into a car park, I have to pay to park in the car park. If I park on, on the street... You know, then then that that's different. But if I if I were if I go into a car park here over the road, I would pay to go in it. Anyway, the car park at UHW has one thousand eight hundred spaces and six thousand staff, many of whom have to park in spaces reserved for visitors. Staff, some on just fifteen thousand a year, decided that they wouldn't pay any fines in protest at the lack of spaces. One nurse reckons she's got £150,000 worth of fines. Unfortunately, the court has kind of taken that decision away from them. Uh, and so Indigo launched a test case against 75 staff and the judge, Claire Coates, at Cardiff County Court, sided with the company. A children's nurse who owes £2,000 said this would never have come up if they provided proper, proper parking for staff. The wardens are totally ruthless. Now people are talking about having to sell their homes and pay their fines. To be honest with you, I don't think it would ever come to that. I don't think any parking company would make nurses sell their homes. Uh, Indigo, which is a French firm, had a turnover of £24 million last year. And uh, Sue Pryor, of the Parking Action Group, has, uh, has campaigned for them. 
Uh, she said, it's disgusting. Doctors and nurses of this country could be treated like this. Hospital staff have now set up an online fundraising page to help them pay. UK hospital bosses raked in a record £120 million in parking charges last year. A spokesman for Cardiff and Vale University Health Board says all staff and visitors are encouraged to comply with the parking regulations. And uh, Indigo says this ruling has justified our decision to take the action. So they're obviously pushing it. They're obviously pushing Whether or not you're going to get £150,000 out of one nurse is very unlikely. In fact, I think it's extremely unlikely. But they, they're, they're going for it. £13 million. I mean, you, f- you feel immensely sorry for them. But should the place where you work, whether you're a nurse or you work in a hospice or anything, should they have to provide parking for you? That, that, that's what the big question is, isn't it? Th- but £13 million, £12.8 and one woman, 150000 and the judge has said you'll pay it. So where are they supposed to get that money from? I mean, you know, I suppose they just have to declare themselves bankrupt and go, I haven't got the money. I can't afford to pay that. But they, unfortunately, took that decision to not pay and park in spaces which weren't for them uh, without really consulting. What they should have done, what they should have done, I suppose, if you look at it logically, is consult a lawyer and say, listen, we're going to do this what would be the best advice? But if you just go ahead and do something and this racks up over the years and the company keeps sending out, you know, the, uh, the, the little calling card saying this is how much you owe and you keep ignoring it. Eventually, it's going to hit that target, which is 12.8 million, where they're going, I'm sorry, enough is enough. This is our business. You know, we want that, that money and we want it now. And I don't know how, whether you take people individually to court, but they should have checked, you know, and I'm on their side. I'm really not on the parking company's side at all because I think they shouldn't have to pay. But unfortunately, in hospitals now, they've got car parts. We've got one down the road from me where I had my operation. The car was, you know, you have to park in the car park there. If you, you can drop somebody off, that's OK. But then you can't just sit there all day because they're bringing ambulances in and all the rest of it. So they have a pay for car park. And you can only get in and out on a barrier. Presumably at this particular car park, they don't have a barrier because otherwise you'd never get out. They have to be sitting there all the time. Uh, so where that one goes to, I don't know, but I have a lot of sympathy for them because if you want to go in and you want to do your, uh, your job, you don't expect to have to pay for it. And I don't know how much it would cost to pay, but you know, is it up to the hospital to provide parking for people? You know, we don't get parking provided here. You know, there's a bus stop literally over the road. I mean, I'm lucky because we've got bus stops here. There's train stations. We're so we're fairly well served because we're slap bang in the middle of London. We're in Leicester Square. Doesn't get better, does it really? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Still to come, the story about the fish and slips, the chippy boss, who's wrapping his grub over elf and safety claims. The acid fruit shooters, I think it has to be, it has to be life in prison. I'm sorry if you're one of these people who goes out and you want to steal somebody's property and you are prepared to squirt acid in somebody's face. And bearing in mind, this stuff that they're shooting over people's faces is available everywhere. You can go into Robert Dias today and you can go to all the supermarkets and pick up bleach. You can pick up uh, any sorts of drain cleaner, which is an acid. I mean, there are some... I mean, I've actually got a drain cleaner at home, which is an industrial strength one. And I remember pouring it into a drain outside and there was a... And everything vanished before my eyes. It was We had a a blockage in one of the drains. It was phenomenal. And so all they do is they, they pour this stuff into a, into a fruit shoot bottle, which means that you've got like a, a nozzle at the top and you squeeze it. They don't care if they doubt. I'm sorry if you're... I'm, I see that as almost attempted murder. And the government going, oh, we, we'll need to redefine it. Just get on with it. 
just get on with it because this is happening all too often. Before, you know, there's one youth a short while ago, 15 counts. 15 counts in one evening. So they've got to sort it out. Uh, the three kids on the chase scooter make the same kind of story. He's 16, fighting for his life last night after three-on-one moped crashed into a police car. None of the youths were wearing helmets. Well, there you go. Dumb, dumb and dumber. They were tracked by a police helicopter from close to an armed robbery. Uh, witnesses described hearing the moped scraping along the ground after the crash in Wimbledon. Two large knives were recovered at the blood-soaked scene. Video obtained by The Sun shows two suspects held by four police moments after the collision. Uh, the officers crouch or kneel over them with one boy's legs dangling into the road. I'm sorry, you ride a motorcycle or a scooter with no crash helmet on and the three of you, duh, dumb or what? Very dumb. Still to come, the horrific story. It's all bad stories this morning. I'll try and find something a bit lighter, I promise you later. Of a mum out to rob her girl's grave. If ever you wanted to hear about somebody who's quite despicable, you'll be hearing about them this morning on the programme. Coming up shortly, news at five o'clock. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's nice to have you company. Uh, Fury at the Stars pay at the BBC. Apparently it turns out that they're going to be publishing, but I don't think they will. Secondly, uh, men get paid more than women. Depends what they do, doesn't it, really? Also, Hammond's the hypocrite. He calls nurses and police officers overpaid while raking in thousands through renting out property. Ed Sheeran declaring war on the ticket touts. Uh, the cancer alert over Primark's flip-flops. Painting the town red. Nap. Aren't we all bored with her and him? What a dull pair they are. Mind you, it's the only bit of publicity she's had in years, so she's probably revelling in the fact that she gave up her career, whatever that was, to have children. Now she's determined to cash in on it. And by God, she's boring with it. Hope it doesn't backfire, Louise. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Four minutes past five. No, it's not. It's uh, three minutes past five, but it doesn't matter. Who cares? Goodness sake, this time of the morning. It's Monday. It's all you have to know. It's Monday. You've got to go to work uh, unless you don't have a job or you're retired, in which case uh, you can lie in bed and just let the programme wash over you. Because I found years and years ago when I came up to London long, long time ago, back in the uh, <coughs> dark ages, I, um, I didn't have a job. I had uh, two days a week working in a nightclub, but it wasn't quite enough to live on. And so the girls I was sharing the flat with said, we need to find, find a job, Steve. So I said, OK. And every morning they'd go off to work. They were at um, Arts Educational, which is sort of theatre school, you know, ballet, dance and all that kind of stuff. And they'd say, you're going to go look for a job today? Yep. And the moment they'd gone out the door, I was asleep again. I just became... It's funny, I'm completely the opposite now. I can survive, a bit like Margaret Thatcher, on about four hours sleep a night. In fact, actually, the the night after Robin's party, I survived on four hours on that night. And I was just as good yesterday as any other day. But the, the moment they walked out the door, I was asleep again. And then they'd come back in again. they go, did you go out and look for a job today? I went, uh, I didn't do it today. And in the end, they used to get quite annoyed. And so in the end, I did go for a job, but I didn't really know what sort of job to go for. It's a bit difficult. When you're in London, and, you, you know, I used to say, oh, there's loads of jobs out there. But there was nothing I really wanted to do. So I ended up, but I can't remember how I ended up to, at um, Paddington Station, applying for a job as somebody selling tickets. I thought, how difficult can that be? You just sit there. Somebody says, I want to go to Penzance, and you go Penzance. Nowadays, you tap it in on the computer, and the computer will throw up all the different sorts of tickets. And, um, and we all had to sit in this room doing this exam. And I failed. I failed. I couldn't even work in a ticket office. 
So I, I thought to bed that myself that I thought I was totally useless. I then decided it was safer to stay in bed and sort of worry and, and wait wait till get some more nights in the nightclubs, which uh, which it ended up that I I did do. But imagine I did I can't remember why I felt I just didn't know the answer to anything. It was, I just. I can't remember. It was so many years ago. I was I was a younger person, of course, with a memory. Now, of course, I've got nothing at all apart from memories. But I couldn't remember what it was. And I, f- and I remember sitting there thinking, what am I doing? This is just to... S- you have to sit here and do this to sell tickets. Nowadays, of course, they've got all the ticket machines. You just put it in and top up your card and all the rest of it. And um, and you type in where you're going to and it tells you this is this is what's on offer. But in those days, you had to obviously do it all manually. And I thought, I thought I could quite do that. I could quite be happy sitting there. Ticket, where would you like to go to? Basingstoke. I wouldn't go there. You know, you could say, you could say that to people. I'd, I'd make it marginally more entertaining as opposed to the things that we're talking. But anyway, I didn't get the job, so that was it. So I understand exactly where you are. If you're one of these people and you're used to not working, I can understand exactly how you sort of get through life because once you've got into the mindset of not getting up, and you're there in the early hours of the morning and then it gradually sort of, you know, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. And then you think, oh, I'll just have a cup of tea. Then you sort of lay down probably about nine, ten o'clock and then you sort of fall asleep. Then you wake up mid-afternoon and then you're back into that cycle again. So I understand exactly where you're coming from. But if you're a working person today and you're sort of either getting the trains ready or your bus ready or you're delivering bread or whatever it happens to be, you'll have a nice day today. Everybody else, it's Monday, you'll have a rotten day. You'll come into town on a packed train. It'll be. I'm always amazed at how many people get off the train at Waterloo. And there's trains coming in about every sort of few minutes, disgorging thousands upon thousands. Where are they going? Where do these people go to? The answer is the underground. And I don't like travelling on the underground. It's my least favourite form of transport. Buses, fine. Light buses. I, don't, I had a driver the other day. Both me, uh, both me, both myself and the producer have had the stop-start bus drivers, where they live on the brake. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's almost like they're sort of seeing if they can knock somebody. One of these days, somebody's going to fall over on a bus and they're going to sue them big time, because you know, because it's dangerous driving, and everybody else will be going. Oh, they bounced along the road like that one for ages and ages. Uh, I also quite wish that we didn't have these, you know, swipe in on the bus anymore. I want to see bus conductors back. I quite like the idea of bus conductors. Where do you like to go to? Waterloo Station, please. That'll be one and threepence. And they turn the ticket off and rip the ticket off. No, just me again. No, OK. Because it's so impersonal, isn't it? It's so impersonal. Thank you, driver. It is. It's just, you know, nobody cares about you. You know, nobody knows that I'm an international celebrity when I get on the bus. I'm just I'm just an ordinary person like everybody else on there. Not as ordinary as some of them, admittedly. But, you know, that's a, you know we've lost all that personal touch, haven't we? And what were they saying the other day? Very shortly, we're going to be having a non-cash society. Well, that's screwed my life up because I only deal in cash. I don't do credit cards. I do have a credit card, but I try not to use it. I use it once a month, the same month, for, you know, for, uh, for sort of um, for my uh, for my taxi. And so it goes on there. And that's it. I don't use it for anything else. I don't like to use it for anything. It's there as an emergency if I want to, but I don't have emergencies. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Uh, Somebody here called Talia. No, Layla says driving around Hawaii. Where does it say Dubai? And my dad has subjected us to listening to the at Steve Allen show on at LBC. There you go. Lucky old you, eh? Makes you a bit more intelligent this morning, I think. Apparently, Margaret says... um, Stir-fried rice with green onion and pineapple with a little soy sauce. Uh, yeah, I mean, stir-fried rice is OK. The, 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 the only stir-fried rice you're supposed to have is boiled rice, isn't it? Which actually you can make really quite interesting with, you're probably right, some green onions and pineapple with some soy sauce. Yeah. 
Uh, eight, six weeks ago, Steve, I was diagnosed type 2 diabetes. I can't believe how the medication has helped. I was peeing every half an hour, night and day. But they've squared... My producer, I must tell you, you know Mark, who does the thing, he's gone vegan because he's so worried about the... Um, about his heart condition. <laughs> he's gone vegan. That's a bit dramatic, isn't he? I gather he's lost quite a bit of weight because he, he wrote to me and he said... Because he's so panicky after I had my stents and all the rest of it. He then had a bit of a heart scare... And uh, and it's it's cajoled him into going vegan. He said he feels much better, so he's given up everything. Bless his heart. So no more sandwiches for him then, I think. But anyway, they've scared me witless, Steve, about what to eat. So what do I have when hungry? That's quick, like at four a.m. Oh, I'd have cereal. I'd have cereal. Something like I'd probably have shredded wheat. Actually, shredded wheat's quite good. When I say quite good for you, it's I think it's quite a good snack. You can have all sorts of things actually. I mean, I don't. You know, you can have a rye vita. With a little bit of cheese on or something like that. I just have normal stuff. It didn't change my lifestyle completely. Although having had my latest uh, eye test, I've got retinopathy. Uh, is it retinopathy? Yeah, I think so. And But it doesn't actually affect anything. It just means that my diabetes affects my eyesight. Uh, off to Chroma for the day. We'll be having a big breakfast at a cafe on the seafront. Chroma crab for lunch. And a show at the end of the pier, says Dave. God, that sounds ghastly. Chroma crab. Ugh, ugh, how disgusting. Not at this time of the morning. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk, And uh, Steve, you're the only person who can have me up at this hour. Uh, uh, don't ever go on holiday. I know that's selfish, but that's the way it is, I'm afraid. And everybody's listening to you will feel exactly the same. I don't do holidays, actually. I really don't. I'm not... Um, I'm not a holiday sort of person. They keep saying to me, why don't you do holidays? I said, what's the point? Every day's a holiday. This is like being on holiday. If we had some sand and, a, and an umbrella in the studio and a bucket and spade and a pina colada, that's holiday. I don't need to sort of go abroad to enjoy it. A couple of friends of mine, as you know, are over in um, Las Vegas. We've not heard from them for two days. I should imagine they're going, blimey. Because it is, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit knock you dead. Uh, Steve, uh, parking fines, even worse, the outstanding dues owed by the US Embassy, uh, says uh, Debal. Well, that's every embassy. They don't pay parking fines. I don't know why traffic wardens give uh, diplomat cars uh, tickets. They're not the worst embassy. The American embassy is way down the list. I think it's the Nigerian embassy is the worst one where they've got outstanding. But they don't pay parking fines. That's what they don't do. Yeah, the US Embassy also refused to pay the congestion charge. But they've got their diplomatic cars. They, they're exempt from everything, so they don't have to pay anything they don't want to. But no, the American Embassy are way down the list. Way down the list. You know, because the embassy that they have, and America is no different to the other ones, that part of London where they are is, is America, as far as they're concerned. The only place it wasn't was in Grosvenor Square, because it was owned by the Grosvenor Estate, so they didn't own it. But they've moved, haven't they, now? But the building's still there, but they don't pay. None of the embassies pay for uh, for parking fines. So they just rack them up. They really do. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I like the idea of thinking about this, this sort of um, rice with green onion and pineapple. Pineapple chunks or pineapple rings? I don't know. It's, a, it's an odd one, isn't it? I don't know what to have, actually. Um, da, 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 da. Somebody else talking about the parking fines and saying they're not really going to charge them. They are. They've been to court over it. They've been to court. I don't think they... Uh, the, the, the court, I think, have decided it doesn't matter where these people are, whether they're in a hospital or, or whether they're just ordinary members of the public. It's a hell of a lot of money, 12.8 million. However, I found a story of a, of a woman in the paper today 
who is so despicable, it reminds me of the film Despicable Me. And in her case, it's Despicable Her. And when you hear what she's done, you'll be going, yuck, yuck, yuck. It's one of these people who, you know, they... When I was watching, I said yesterday, this programme, I don't know what it's called, it's something about Brits in Benidorm or something like that. Whatever it is, this is the Jeremy Kyle show, but in Benidorm. It is full of the most awful people you've ever seen in your entire life. Everybody seems to be on a disabled scooter, so we're obviously all on the old backhanders from here. They sit in the sunshine, they get drunk, they have this little British community, which, frankly, I took one look at and thought, I'm never going to Benidorm. It looked dreadful. It really looked dreadful. And uh, there are people living over there. I don't know how they're managing to do it, but then some people go over there, then they seem to come back, presumably to collect more benefits, and they go back over there again. It's a very odd situation. It's, it's sort of the Brits behaving badly abroad. We get it in Magaluf and all other places. But that's, mainly, that's not people from London. That's people from up north for some reason. You get a lot of people from sort of north of Watford Gap who appear to be going on to these sort of places. But I will tell you about this shameless mum uh, who stole from her brain-damaged daughter. And in fact, she went, went to prison for it. She's just disgusting. I mean, I don't know how anybody can ever do that. I really don't. But I've said to you before that wherever money is concerned, people become quite vile. And that's when we send them off to prison. This this woman wants to rob her daughter's grave. I'll tell you how she's uh, how she's going to go about it very shortly. Uh, plus the shoe aid vagrants eat treat. This is a very odd one as well. And the pain of marriage split ages your brain by four years. That's put Louise Redknapp out to pasture then, hasn't it, I should imagine? If indeed the marriage has split or it's a publicity stunt. It's a bit difficult to know with Louise, but she's trying to reclaw back a bit of her life when she thought she was semi-famous in a rather naff group called Eternal. And to be honest with you, thank God they've finished. Thank God. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, every 19 minutes past five. It's nice to have your company. Uh, Far from being stupid, uh, they know that once they remove their helmets, the law stresses the police cannot chase them in case they have an accident. Uh, well, they didn't need to. They crashed into the police car. Ha, 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 ha. So, uh, you know, more fool them. More fool them. And I think they're very stupid because they crashed. One's in hospital and the other two are under arrest. So there you go. I'd be more than happy to see. I think we have to need build, build some more prisons, actually. And just because we've got, we've got too many of these sort of people out there nowadays, it's now becoming dangerous. And if people are actually getting to the stage where they're throwing acid in somebody's face... I think that's uh, that's very bad. Uh, Steve says, Colin had my contactless credit card and debit card cloned three times last month. And the bank says they don't issue cards without it now. I did get a refund, but the inconvenience. How can you have it cloned three times in a month? Did you not report it the first time and then change the card? I had my card cloned once, my MasterCard, and I immediately cancelled it. And uh, then they sent me a new one with a different pin on the back. So nobody could use it, which was as simple as that. I don't know how you get it, get it uh, cloned three times. You need to come to that bank immediately. I went to Leicestershire last weekend, uh, says Grace. Loved every minute. Ate too much of the good food. You're not telling me you only went to Leicestershire because they've got good food. Seriously? Went to a barbecue yesterday to finish the week. Uh, going vegan is good for your health. Go away. Go away. Uh, vegans don't get high cholesterol. I don't have high cholesterol. As cholesterol is from animal products. Your friend can still eat a sandwich. There are many dairy alternatives. Go away. Go away. I'm not interested. I don't care. I'm not interested in vegetarianism, veganism. I don't care. Whatever people choose to do is their business. Just don't want it inflicted on other people. He's only doing it because he had a heart scare. But uh, I don't have high cholesterol. My, my cholesterol is perfecto. Perfecto. Because I, I look after things like that. You know, you have to. You have to look after yourself. I think as you get a little bit older, you start, you know, bits start dropping off. Uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm quite careful with what I eat. 
I think so, anyway. Margaret says the pineapple should be in small pieces. The rice can be pre-cooked and cooled. Yeah, my mother used to have a big thing when we were in Hong Kong. Uh, a cooker on the side which just had rice in it. And you could just heat it up quite easily. In fact, if you go to any Chinese takeaway, the rice is already cooked. They just throw it in the pan and then sort of just reheat very quickly. And uh, heat a small amount of sesame oil. I love the smell of sesame oil. That's fantastic. Small amount of garlic, green onion, pineapple, rice and soy. Great with grilled salmon. Oh, and you've ruined it now. You've ruined it now. I, I, I do do grilled salmon, but I don't want it with rice and everything else. If I'm doing grilled salmon, I do, I do it with sprouts and um, and, uh, and a watercress sauce. And I steam it. And it's delicious. It falls apart. It's absolutely delicious. And if I'm really feeling very ambitious, I might do it with some mashed potato or even more decadent potato croquettes. Or, or Duchess potatoes. <laughs> I tried to find those other potatoes. What were they called now? We can't remember. The ones, it's like, um, oh, God, I've forgotten. It's a, a potato, but it's sliced. But it's not, it's not, it it's all stays together. And they did them in Marks and Spencer's for a while, and I, I was buying them because I loved them. You could eat them just with your fingers. Hasselback. Oh, delicious. Delicious. Why they don't do them in there anymore? Wish they'd stop changing things. Oh, dreadful. Uh, so anyway, here is this story. This is this is terrible. This is a shameless mother. She's a vile piece of work. She was jailed. Uh, she stole money from her brain-damaged daughter. OK, her daughter was awarded £2.6 million. Her mother stole from her half a million pounds. I mean, she's that, she's that low life. Cathy Svensson, Svensson was locked up in 2014 with her ex-hubby after they blew the cash awarded to Sam Hills. Sam died in December last year, aged just 32, and she left her bungalow to a group of six carers. A source said Sam went on holiday last year, she knew it would be her last, and she died on the plane home. She left her house to the carers. Her mum, her mum, this is the thief, then declared a vested interest. It's deplorable. Sam was awarded this £2.6 She was starved of oxygen at birth. But Stedson from Grimsby and her husband, then Robert Hills, spent it, though they'd won the lottery. Lawyers acting for Sam confirmed the contest. Isn't that disgusting? What a piece of filth. Honestly, she leaves it to her carers, the people who looked after her, not the thieving, shameless mother. My God, wouldn't want her in your family, would you? Dreadful. What is it with people nowadays? Money. It's money. That's what it comes down to. It's, you know, people have got money. That's why I worry so much about poor little Chloe Green. Not the brightest penny in the box, not the sharpest tool in the knife drawer. And she, um, she's taken up with this bloke who's been in prison loads and loads of times. And, um, and it's a case of she thinks it's all genuine. He's, he's now ditched the wife and children to be with her because the wife and children have got nothing. Chloe Green's got access to yachts, private jets, father immensely rich. She doesn't realise he's going to take so advantage of her. It's so it's, it's almost hilarious to watch because she's, she's seriously believing. He spent most of his life in prison, this bloke. He's a convicted felon from an early age, and she thinks her father must be absolutely tying everything up in knots so this bloke can't get his hand on any sort of any of the money, because I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. Mike in Manchester says, in 2008, I bought my flat. Easy for me to get a mortgage. I was advised by my mortgage advisor to get a credit card and use it for purchases. I had poor credit. I was confused as I paid cash for everything. I needed the points... Uh, via using my credit card as it helps in life. You must use your credit card. In that same year, I applied for the uh, contract mobile. I was refused because of poor credit. Well, luckily, I don't have um, a credit rating. You see, you're on a list. 
because you've got poor credit rating. But uh, I don't have any problem with things like that because I don't need to get credit. I'm not after getting credit. I don't have any higher purchase agreements, any extended credit of this, that and the I pay cash for everything. I pay it for everything. So when, when I get my car insurance due, whatever it is, I pay it all. When I get my phone bill, I remember going my phone bill years and years ago. I went into the shop to pay it. And so she said, how much would you like to pay off? I said, all of it. Why would you want to keep it hanging over? That's very false economy. So I paid it all off. So I don't need to worry about that. If I was borrowing money, that would be different. But I don't need to borrow money. I'm in a fortunate position that, you know, I'm solvent and I keep my head above, uh, above water. You know, I save my money. But I certainly wouldn't want to uh, to start borrowing money. It's like when you go in, they say, would you like a Boots credit card? No, I wouldn't, thank you very much indeed. We get 10% off today. Well, there's a way of using it. You can take the card, get the 10% off, rip the card up. It's as simple as that. So I'd, I'm not interested in any credit cards, store cards, nothing. I'm not really bothered at all. Love the show, Steve, says uh, Una. Del Monte pineapple rings in juice are much tastier than the chunks. Actually, I could probably go and buy a fresh pineapple, couldn't I? I've got a machine, I think, at home for taking the core out of a pineapple. But you're right, it's easy to go and buy a tin of the stuff, you know, when it's sort of fairly, fairly inexpensive. Um, and, uh, and with white Cheshire or Wensleydale cheese. Do you know, you know me and cheese? I mean, I don't have it because cheese is very fattening. Secondly, I'm a bit of a heathen when it comes to eating cheese. I'm sort of cheddar, Red Leicester, Cathedral, Edam... <laughs> It's all the rubbish things. I don't eat proper cheese and just... And I saw that advert on the telly the night for Branston pickle in small chunks. And I quite like that. But I, I can eat Branston pickle by the spoonful. I mean, I'm really... It's, it's My life is just a disaster in the cheese thing. And so I don't have it. I try not to have it. I do like crackers. And sometimes I'll put a bit of Edam on. But somebody said that's, that's sort of really fat-making. So I've cut out Edam as well now, but I have little bits. Uh, Jeff says, my scooter was stolen recently. The police chased the scum that stole it, but the smart little so-and-sos took their helmets off, continuing to try to evade the police. And the cops had to call off the chase. It was dangerous for the thieves under their risk assessment check. You couldn't make it up. The bike was found later in bits. Two frustrated bike cops, very angry and frustrated. Apparently the cops can get into serious trouble if they pursue them. And something happens to little darlings. You couldn't make it up. The police lose their jobs, can be open to uh, all sorts of things. Yes, I mean, to be honest with you, three of them on a, on a scooter. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, asking for trouble. And they take the helmets off. I'm sorry, we have to change the law immediately. Immediately. What, the police can't chase people because they've got no helmets on? Sod that for soldiers, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, if somebody steals anything of mine, I'll tell you, I'll be out there immediately. So, no, we have to change the law. We have to change the law on it so that the police can go round. The police must be sitting there going, I'm sorry, these little people. It's like whenever you see them on the television at the moment. And uh, there was one thing the other day. They got some bloke. Uh, it turned out he had red diesel in the car. So you knew where he was from. And, of course, red diesel means they seized the car immediately. So there was him, some other piece of uh, plankton in the car, and a wife and baby. And she's a mouthy little so-and-so. So you know from which side of the town they came. It was the wrong side. And the police said, we are, in fact, seizing your uh, your car. What for? Because you've got red diesel in it. Yeah, and? You know, they know exactly what it is. They're, 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 you know, they're not as stupid or as dumb as they make out they are. And, uh, and, then, and so the cameraman carries on filming. And again, they say all the time, get that camera off me. I've got my rights. And they go, no, you're in a public place. You haven't got any rights. So that always makes me smile. Because I imagine if I was a policeman, I'd be saying the same thing. Exactly the same thing. I'd be going, I'm sorry. You know, the, the police are filming you because they actually think that, you know, something's sort of going on. 
They, they, they did, in fact, check the car, I believe, for... Um, what did they check it for? Oh, it was, it was drugs, apparently. It sort of came up as a, as a drug kind of thing. And lo and behold, what did they find? They found drugs in there. But it, it was the red diesel that kind of uh, sealed their fate. Poor souls, honestly. I love stuff like that. See, I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of what red diesel was. But apparently you find it on farms. Uh, Matt Barbette was rooting for Roger Federer, who apparently won Wimbledon and picked up something like, I don't know, £2 million. God, honestly, what a payday that'd be. Should we buy a house today? Yeah, I'm just, I'll just win Wimbledon, then we go and buy one. How much you got? I'll have £2 million. I'll have £2 million. Uh, so the government promised new measures to punish those who commit acid attacks. Uh, I think prison immediately, and I think people removing their helmets. I don't care if they have an accident. I'm not bothered about that. I think they have to change the law. Otherwise, these, uh, these little crooks are just laughing at the police. And we cannot have that situation because that's where you get a lawless society. And when you phone up to go, I'm just being robbed, the police will go, I'm sorry, we don't have anybody to come round and see you. Uh, we'll, we'll probably come round tomorrow and have a chat about it. I'm being held hostage. I'm sorry, we're really busy at the moment. Call again later. Thank you. And then they put the phone down. That's how it's going to be, isn't it? That's how it is going to be. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. I'm not sure I want to see Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. This is the... Uh, the forthcoming sequel, Mary Poppins Returns, it opens December next year. The trouble is, she looks like Mary Poppins, only because we're used to the outfit and the flat hat that goes with it. But apart from that, apart from that, I'm sorry, there is only one Mary Poppins, and she's Julie Andrews. You cannot have another Mary Poppins. Although I shall be interested in, uh, in seeing what the film is like, because I'm a bit of a fan of that kind of thing. Depends what the music's like. If the music's good... I shall buy into it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Somebody said, don't tell people to go away, it's rude. Go away. All right, there you go. You've heard it twice now. If you're deaf as well, I shall shout it louder in about two minutes' time. Nice to be company. Welcome to Monday. Worst day of the week for everybody. Everybody hates Monday. Why? Because you've had a nice weekend, you've been with family and friends, or you've found a new friend, or you've lost a new friend, or something like that. And, um, and then you sort of get to that stage where you go, oh, I don't want to go to work today. And then there's always something that cheers you up. You know, here I always think, oh, who am I going to bump into today? Who am I going to bump into today? And you come in and it's the same person I bumped into last week, so nothing changes. But that, there's always something to look forward to, isn't there? I mean, there is for me. You know, will the car turn up? Will it drive straight past me? Will eventually I get into town? Will eventually I sort of, you know, go through the papers? Will I eventually have, you know, a sandwich or something like that? Yes. And Dino, who's currently appearing in ITV2's Ibiza Weekender, sounds slightly scary, says, my lifelong dream is to go for a drink with At Steve Allen Show. Scary, very scary. <laughs> he's, he's got more more followers than I have, but there again, I don't look like he does, and so uh, interesting. Why is it people who've got good bodies insist on showing them to you? You'll notice you'll never see any uh, any half naked shots of Steve Allen appearing anywhere soon. Oh, I tell a lie. There is one. There is a topless shot in Dale Winton's autobiography. I suddenly realised. I've just, I've just remembered. It was a long time ago, OK? I was a younger person. It was different. In those days, you could undo your shirt. Not now. I wouldn't even dream of undoing my shirt. Who wants to frighten people? You know, there's horses and camels out there and elephants. They'd be really worried about that. What's he doing? Undoing his shirt. Poor soul, honestly. Nothing like that. But everybody nowadays, well, at least Dino hasn't got tattoos. But, you know, that'll probably be the next thing, I should imagine. I, was, I met somebody the other day, as you know, from Calabro at this, uh, at this super... Uh, summer garden party at Robin's house. I'm not telling you where it is, but uh, I'll just tell you, Glory was there and Stephen Way 
A little bit disappointed that Brian Connolly never showed, but I mean, that's another story. And uh, Tony and Cherie Blair were there and Calabro were there. And one of the boys in Calabro has got piercings in his nose and in his ear as well. And I said, how many have you got? And he's got five piercings. And I thought, it's funny, actually, it must be an age thing. You know, I remember going down the King's Road long, long time ago and people were peer- pierced. Punks, they were. People with sort of Mohicans and purple hair and everything else. And people just looked a bit sort of... so. Now... Everybody goes to the gym. Everybody goes to the gym. But you go to the gym, it's just full of sickeningly good-looking people. And so I don't go. What is the point of going to a gym where there's good-looking people and depress yourself? You go in depressed because you're slightly overweight. And then you see these people and you go, really, I can't hang around. I was at this party when I was at Robin's party the other day. There were some really good-looking people. I studiously avoided them. I don't want to stand next to somebody who's good-looking. It's, it's far too depressing for people like me. Far too depressing. Uh, the cancer alert over the Primark flip-flops is really odd. Apparently, uh, Primark has recalled thousands of men's flip-flops. Um, there are three versions from the Cedarwood State range in khaki, black and blue. They were on sale until June the 2nd. It's contaminated with chrysine, which can cause cancer. Primark have suspended orders... With a factory, they're offering full refund to customers. So for, so there are numbers. You're never going to get this, are you, straight away? But the numbers on the flip-flops are 02387 stroke 07, 0809, that's in khaki, black, 02387 stroke 010203, and blue, this is for men, flip-flops, 02387 stroke 040506. This is in the Cedarwood State range. Khaki, black and blue. They were on, on sale. They're offering a full refund if you take them back. They say the uh, health and safety risk to customers in, is minimal, but they're offering you a full full refund. So if you bought any of those, you can probably go online and check out as well um, exactly what those numbers are because you will not have had the opportunity of writing them down. And you might be wearing... Uh, a pair of flip-flops at the moment, although, to be honest with you, Paul Smith, the newsreader, was wearing them, and he just complained about how cold his feet were. I said, because it's cold in the early hours of the morning. Uh, Porn website visitors will have to approve their over-18 to access adult content from next year, the government have said. Users will have to provide credit card details to get on a site in the attempt to protect children from porn content. Well, like you're going to be handing over your credit card details to a porn site. Unless you're really, really desperate. Uh, Steve, I always say good morning and good afternoon when I board a bus and thank the driver. You're a saddo. That's what you are. You're a sad person. Why do you do that? Do you often go up to perfect strangers and say, hello, good morning? How would you feel like it if somebody lurched towards you on a bus? Hello, morning. All right. I'll come and sit next to you, shall I? You'd be off there straight away. And uh, I love it when you see youngsters with good manners. Uh, You don't see that. Youngsters never, ever say, uh, you know, thank you, goodbye. They're mainly trying to rob you blind. They don't, uh, they don't say thank you. I've never heard a youngster say thank you on a bus. Where are you from? What planet are you on? They don't say thank you and goodbye. I tell you, the producer and I have sat on buses. We have heard people saying... We've never heard people say good morning or good afternoon. That's taking it a bit too far. That's the really stupid brigade, isn't it? Generally, so thank you, driver. That's about as far as it goes. But as I say, you're obviously a bit strange because you don't say it to the train driver, do you? You only say it to the bus driver. Have you been upstairs and said good morning to everybody else on there? No, because you're selfish, that's why. You should go out there. If you want to say good morning to people, do it to everybody. Don't just do it to the one bloke who's not remotely interested. Why do you think bus drivers are interested? They probably sit there going, oh, my God, stalker, stalker. Not normal, is it? Thank you. What? What? I can't hear you. 
You're going to make an effort to say... I'll tell you what, we will make an effort to say hello to the driver today and I bet we get nothing. Nothing. We did it twice the other week. We got nothing back. Well, the week, week before we did it. But uh, youngsters do not... Um, uh, say that, I'm afraid, on the bus. And if you think they do, you're probably living on another planet because it never happens. Only in your mind does it ever happen. Uh, the Daily Mail, it's Doctor Who. If you've just woken up, Doctor Who's going to be a woman. There you go. I've said it. I shall hold myself up and go, I'm really sorry. Doctor Who has changed sex. Uh, why are male TV heroes being zapped, say the Daily Mail? I mean, how many more have been zapped? There's sort of a plethora of these people. It's just he's, he, he metamorphosizes into something else. And so the character is called The Doctor. You know, Doctor Who is the name of the show. This is The Doctor. You know, Doctor Who... Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Oh, it's another one, wasn't it? But I mean, it's, it's quite close. But no, it's he's he's morphed into a doctor, another doctor. I don't actually see any uh, any problem um, with with sort of it being a woman. I don't care. I don't. Re- I mean, I really don't care. I really don't care. And um, who's who's going for a drink, Paul? Who's who's going for a drink? I love things. I love things. Honestly, I tell you, you can have the most fun on a radio... God, God, that's an airbrush picture of Prince Charles. Who's that? Who's that? Camilla, I think, looks great. I don't have any a, a problem with Camilla. As a person, I think she's really quite nice. I just I just think the, the way the whole thing was handled was wrong. I think, as usual, the royal family riding roughshod. Like, there's a great story in the paper today. Apart from, don't be scared of my gender, says the first woman to play Doctor Who. She's not playing Doctor Who. She's playing the Doctor. Okay, which is completely different. And it doesn't matter, as I said before, she could morph into a teapot or a chocolate fire guard. It does not make any difference. It's just, and we make such a big, small wonder we're in the state we're in. Small wonder we're in the state. Terrible. Uh, The Kardashians make 17 visits to uh, to Wimbledon. I think actually Kate and William have been, God knows how many, the Middletons, sorry, the Middletons. The Kardashians are that naff family from America. The Middletons are the Naff family from this country. There you go, that's the difference. Eugenie, remember Princess Eugenie? You must remember her, goodness sake, honestly. Why do you remember her? Because she was in the news the other day having a picture taken with little little Harper Beckham and her little friends who didn't want to be photographed. But David Beckham decided they pixelated so fast. You've never seen the Beckhams backtrack in all their life. But there again, poor old Victoria's pilloried in the papers today. Anyway, Princess Eugenie, Princess... <laughs> Princess Eugenie uh, was initially rejected by Newcastle University and then given a place because of who she was. Her application was allegedly dismissed as not good enough, there's a surprise, by an admissions officer who hadn't realised the applicant was a member of the royal family. When the horrified university authorities realised what had happened, they offered the Duke and Duchess of York's daughter a place on an alternative degree course. The allegations have been made by Dr Martin Farr, a senior history lecturer at Newcastle, in a speech to the anti-monarchist uh, campaign group Republic's annual convention. Eugenie ended up doing a combined BA honours degree in English literature, history of art and politics, and graduated at the end of her three-year course with a 2-1. What's that? What's a 2-1? I don't know what a 2-1 is. Second highest grade. Good God, she doesn't come over as being bright, does she, really? But um, anyway, uh, they say she was given special treatment for PR purposes. He said the royal VIP was rejected for a degree in English lit before being found a place on the apparently less competitive combined degree. And uh, there you go. Good old Eugenie. But, uh, as I say, never let it be said that side of the family weren't exactly the brightest pennies in the box. Prince Edward, of course, was one of the uh, 
was at the centre of a previous controversy over his university admission. The Queen's youngest, the one who couldn't quite manage it in the Marines, that was a little bit too much, a little bit too butch for Edward, uh, although he's the only one who's managed to keep his marriage together, so he must be doing something right. Uh, he managed to get a place at Cambridge, despite getting only a C in English, a D in history, and in politics at A-level. His admission to Jesus College led to some protest because of his low entry score. He's been a bit of a failure at everything, hasn't he, Edward? He did that Royal It's a Knockout, and that was a bit of a disaster for the royal family. That's where sort of, you know, we sort of saw Diana and, um, and uh, Fergie racing down the pitch and everybody dressed up like ninnies. But uh, he signed up for the, uh, for the Royal Marines, who were sponsoring him through university, on conditions he served with them afterwards. He didn't last long, actually. He did one-third of a 12-month training thing, so he did four months. And that was, uh, that was just about it, because it was just a little bit too tough for poor old Edward, who, when they sort of said to him, you know, OK, we're all up at six in the morning, and uh, not Edward, not Edward. He didn't get up at six in the morning because he didn't rise till ten. It was the discipline. He, he was the least butch member. Although, to be honest with you, Charles never looked that butch at things like that at all. Um... I don't remember vegetarians, people with food allergies as I was growing up in the 70s. Um, I, do, I don't remember people um, having food allergies. It's only recently that people have not only food allergies, but they have allergies to washing powder, milk. You're, you're apparently allergic to something. Nina Mishkoff years ago said to me, I've been to this place and they've told me I'm allergic to this, this, this and this. And I said, to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not sure. you know, some people came out in a rash because they'd, um, it was that they were allergic to something in washing powder. And uh, if your machine didn't rinse it properly away, you had all sorts of disasters. It was all very bizarre, very bizarre. But it's only recently that people go, I can't touch that, I'm allergic. I'm, I'm wheat intolerant, or I'm this intolerant, and people are worried about blood pressure. Listen, you're going to go sometime. You might as well go with a smile on your face, eating a chocolate cake, as far as I'm concerned. What's the point of being miserable? This is all to do with my producer, Mark, who had a bit of a heart scare. Uh, I think he's got some uh, some stuff coming up, some angioplasty or whatever. But uh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And um, and he said he, he's gone vegan. And he's lost all this weight. I mean, he, he was carrying a little bit of weight. Not a huge amount of weight. He was carrying a bit of weight. Probably about the same as me. 12 stone 3. <coughs> Lies and then Steve Allen. And, um, and so he said he feels much better. But that's like he also gave up smoking instantly. <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, a little jolt like that and immediately his life has turned around. You might be the same. They always say you'll only give up smoking if the doctor says you're either going to stop smoking or you're going to die. It's going to kill you and you're going to die horribly with emphysema. And people go, oh, I don't care. And you think you will when you're in hospital. You will. People coughing their lungs up. It's uh, dreadful. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you come. Welcome to Monday. Hateful, isn't it? I'm so sorry. One stressful experience could make your brain age. OK, and this is sort of at, at any time in life, dropping out of university. This can make your brain age. Fired from a job. Long term unemployment. It's all the sort of things you would think about, isn't it, really? Death of a parent. Parents divorce. Cheating partner. That's the worst one. Cheating partner. Oh, dear me. Uh, sibling death. Death of a child. Child has serious accident. Physical attack, losing home to fire or flood. Oh, that would be the worst. That would be the worst ever, wouldn't it? Serious legal difficulties, prison sentence, declared bankrupt. That doesn't seem to be something that provides stress to anybody nowadays. Ask Kerry Katona, she'll tell you. Uh, any stress on that one, dear? No, I just never paid nothing. Great, lovely, it's what we like. Uh, going on welfare or benefits. Hello, they make programmes about that now. How can that be stressful? 
How can that be stressful? After that revolting person on Big Brother, Simone, whatever her face is, what a horrible piece of work. You know, it's people like that on my television that make me want to give up the television. Uh, joining the armed forces, I don't think so. A friend of mine is doing very well in the armed forces. Loves it, absolutely loves it. Couldn't be a better job for him. Or experiencing combat. Is that like fighting on the front line? Yeah, well, I can understand. I'd, I'd be the one, I'm sorry, I'm conscientious objector. Sorry, we're putting you onto the front line, Steve. I'm not going. I'm not going. It's as simple as that. I'm with Prince Edward on this one. We'll stay back here. We'll do the cooking. I'll peel the potatoes. We'll make something interesting. Uh, also, how much do you think Boris Becker lost uh, of his fortune? This is amazing, actually. And also even more amazing when you hear where he lost it. He lost £100 million. And he lost it in investing in Nigerian oil. Well, there's a surprise. As most of the scams seem to come from Nigeria, they managed to convince him... Um, which uh, contributed to his recent bankruptcy. I mean, just unbelievable. He held shares in an oil and petrol firm, but the investments tanked, and last month he was declared bankrupt. A hundred million. Do you know, if you had a hundred million, I would be sleeping on it. It would be stuffed into the mattress, because you would make sure that there was never, ever going to be a time where you didn't have the money to invest a hundred million. Are you mad? How much money do you need in your life? Boris Becker or no Boris Becker. It doesn't really matter, does it? It was after poor, poor Mel, what's-her-face, B, lost £38 million. And you think, well, that's just down to her rank stupidity, because nobody understands about money. I was having a chat with somebody at uh, this super garden party on Saturday, and we were saying that, you know, when you get people who win a lot of money on the lottery, like, you know, £80 million, £100 million, whatever it happens to be, they're not used to having it, so they don't know what to do with it. So they waste it. You know that, that uh, plank who was a bin man... Mikey, whatever his face was, I can't remember his name. Was it Mikey Carroll, uh, who sort of terrorised his neighbours and luckily lost all his money? I laughed like a drain. Laughed like a drain. You know, because the wife took most of it. He won nine, just under nine, eight on the lottery. He was age 19 and uh, he had a celebrity status, but basically he was a plank. And um, and he lost it all. The ex-wife took a load. He bought cars, smashed it all up, shoved a load of cocaine up his nose. And um, and then it all went. I was so happy. I was so happy. You know, a little taste of it and then lost it all. And that was good. And um, I think, actually, one smart investment was to set up a £3.9 million investment bond, which generated income. But that um, uh, he was almost broke in 2006. It had gone on drugs, parties, jewellery and cars. Ha, 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 ha. You know, because the stupid don't deserve to have money. You know, he could, that money, he could have given a million to charity. He could have helped loads of people out. And uh, instead he didn't because he was too thick. So I think he's now working back as a bin man again. What a shame, mate. You could have been so much cleverer, but of course it was never likely to happen. Steve, the thing that really annoys me about the buses is when they're on diversion and the driver refuses to stop at any of the other stops till he's back on the route. A stop it. Well, actually, I nearly missed the bus the other day. Why? Because we had one of these, oh, take a bus tour throughout London, which are pains in the rear end. And that pulled onto my bus stop. Behind that was another bus. And my bus started to go round the outside. I stepped in the road. Oi! Back here. That was the one who I went, thank you, did the thing. And then he lurched forward. I thought, well, one of these days, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a blood capsule in my mouth. And I'm going to lurch forward and I'm going to fall to the ground, bite the blood capsule. And then go, call an ambulance, call an ambulance. You're bad driving, pal. Uh, Steve, I was on a bus yesterday from Uxbridge. The heating was actually on. I went to the driver to complain. He said, it's not on. I said, it's not on, sir. 
What a cheat. Can I tell you? The air conditioning, certainly... They don't have air conditioning on buses. I think there is no air conditioning. I, I got a bus the other day and some idiot got on and closed the window on a hot day. You think, are these? they're, they're not all there in the upstairs department, are they, these people? So, John, I, I appreciate that. I've been on buses before where the heating, you know, appears to be on and we all sit there sweltering, sweltering. Steve says, Sean, are you watching the Tour de France? Do I sound like the sort of person who's going to be watching the Tour de France? Have we just told you how aggravated I am about the bike ride in London? Another disruption to poor, innocent people's lives in London on a Sunday who don't happen to want to wear lycra and go around with adverts with your bottom sticking out to impress the person behind you. I'm sorry, I'm not interested in the Tour de France. I'm not missing out. I am not missing out. I only like it when they have accidents and they all crash into each other and they yeah, whoa. I'm just not interested in cycling. I just, I cannot, it was like, I'd, of course you're glued to it every day because you've got no life. That's why, you know, this is the man who decorates, you know, cushion covers. And he sort of, you know, he likes cycling. You know, I don't get Wimbledon. I don't get bowls. I don't get, what else do I not get? Cricket. I don't get that. I don't get any of those things. I'm not, if you look at me, and yet surprisingly, when I was younger, I was fairly sporty. You know, I did athletics. I played rugby. Yeah, I played rugby. I might not sound like I played rugby, but believe you me, I did play rugby. Not to any particular level, apart from I'm not getting my white shorts dirty, I think. And, uh, and I played hockey. I was more athletically minded, though. I was more of a more of track and field boy, as they used to say. And uh, I could get my legs higher than anybody else. I used to do the, um, the high jump. I did long jump and I did hurdles. In fact, I represented Berkshire in the hurdles. I don't think I got anywhere. But uh, I thought I was doing quite well. You know, at school, you sort of fairly... But nowadays, who cares? And cycling. Boring, boring. For boring, dull people. And I, next Sunday, I might stand there and boo. Boo! As they come round the corner. Especially if it delays my getting home. Why should I be disrupted? I'm just coming in to try and do my job. Not to be disrupted by a bunch of people in light crew who couldn't give a forex about my lifestyle on the streets. It's just not right, is it? Do you know that North Korea's got even more plutonium for nuclear weapons than we feared. I worry about North Korea. I worry about North Korea. I worried about uh, about David Beckham. I worry about David Beckham and the Beckham family on a daily basis as they try and think up yet more ideas for sort of getting the family into uh, into the newspapers. Because that's how it works, isn't it? That's how it works. You have to get the newspapers to get the publicity and the publicity leans on to, uh, to other things. That's how it works. Dunkirk survivor who smuggled his French bride back, disguised as a squaddy. This is because of the film Dunkirk, which, uh, to all imper- intents and purposes, looks uh, looks very good. I will be going to see it. And he says, when I win my millions on the lottery, I'm spending half on wine, women and having a good time. The other half I intend to waste. <laughs> I think that's the old George Best adage, isn't it? I think exactly the same. I've heard loads of people in Manchester and Liverpool saying cheers to the bus driver, says Mike. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You just think you have. Young people are going cheers because they've got a bottle with them. OK, they're not saying cheers to the driver. He says, but when I visit, visit London, sorry, visit London, people look at me really weirdly when I start talking to them. Well, don't talk to them then. We don't want to be spoken to by people from Manchester. This is London. I'm sorry, nobody's got any friends in London. You don't want to talk to people. If somebody sits next to you on the bus and starts talking to you and there's empty seats... You go, excuse me, I need to get off the bus. Well, I'll go and sit somewhere else, actually. It's like in a car park. I put my car in a car park. By the time I come back, there's cars all around it. It's like they gravitate. It's very annoying. Uh, 84850. And um, somebody says here, you don't have conversations with people. Because he went out for a meal with his mate. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's different. Up north, you have to talk to each other because that's like, you know, northern hospitality. Down London, I'm sorry, if you talk to somebody, we think you're going to mug us. So, you know, yes, I think if anybody talks to you on the what? On the on the tube. Oh, absolutely banned for life and call the police. I'm, I'm totally of the opinion. You do not do that in London. I'm sorry, we're very private. What do you, what do, what do you just invite them home? Why don't you pop home with me and have a, have a cup of coffee? Oh, thank you very much indeed. I'm from Mansfield. Get the police, get the police. It's terrible, isn't it? Why do, why do people think you want to talk to them, but we don't talk to bus drivers? I talk to bus drivers if I know them. I don't talk to people who I don't know. That would be silly, wouldn't it? You know, so somebody's driving from here to here and you go, thank you, driver. For what? I'd be more impressed if he drove into the side of a building. But, of course, they don't. What if it's just driving from here? That's what he's paid to do. That's what they do. They're bus drivers. You know, if they were sort of, you know, mule carriers or something, I'd be surprised if they drove a bus. Anyway, News at Six is coming up now. I've got way too much stress. Small wonder things are going wrong, honestly. Uh, call 999. You get Skype instead. They're going to be assessing you on Skype. No, you look perfectly all right to me. That'll cut them out, won't it, really? The £100 billion plan to cancel student debt. Labour have admitted, just an idea. I don't think they'll really do it at all. The doctor has changed sex. Why are male TV heroes being zapped? I wasn't aware they were, but I tell you, people are up in arms over this. This is really the most controversial thing the BBC have done since they decided to reinstall people on Strictly Come Dancing. Eugenie turned down by a top university until they realised who she was. Oh, you can come in, dear. You can come in. Uh, 1.2 million more migrants heading to Britain and uh, use-by dates. Why not scrap them? Well, we can't. I suppose you can spot mould, can't you? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to a cheery little way to start Monday on LBC with Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, Everybody's talking about, firstly, Labour, who've now admitted that maybe they can't sort out this uh, free student education. So the £100 billion is disappearing fast. Uh, The other one, which makes the front page of all the papers, with the exception of one that I've got this morning, is the fact that the new Doctor Who is a woman. Shock horror in this day and age. It's ridiculous. I mean, does it really make any difference? Loads of coverage. It's still just a TV show called Doctor Who. It's on the BBC. It's so ancient, the sets creak, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the same old, same old rubbish. But Doctor Who is the the doc. They call him, it's the Doctor. And so the Doctor could be anybody. It could be a small child who morphs into a tree. It doesn't really make any difference. It's just the Doctor. But because it's a woman, they've all gone a bit, woo, can't believe it. And then there's all the misogynistic people are saying, oh, it's it's disgraceful. You know, we shouldn't have a woman on there. It's always been traditionally a man. It's only taken them 13 Doctors to get round to the fact it's a woman. Last time we had, um, was it, I can't remember, was it a gay assistant or a, a lesbian assistant in the last series? I mean, who cares? It's a bit patronising, isn't it? Do you know, for the life of me, I can't even remember if Doctor Who originally started life as a book and then turned into a TV show or whether it was created as a TV. It's lost in the mist of time, as far as I'm concerned. I have no idea. I just assumed it was created by somebody called Terry Nation. And how I know that, I've got no idea. I suppose because I kept seeing his name up on the the, the boards. And I kept thinking, oh, that must be Terry Nation. He knows all about that. Or did he invent the Daleks? And then it started as a TV show. It didn't emanate from a book or a comic or a pamphlet or anything else. I mean, it's quite clever. I wonder who actually copyrighted Doctor Who. Because somebody somewhere must own the the the, uh, the copyright to the programme, mustn't they? Doctor Who. It was BBC, yeah. 
probably BBC Enterprises. It's interesting, though, isn't it, when you sort of look at it and you think, where did that come from? Because lots of things emanate from books, which they then turn into TV programmes. But this started life as a TV programme. So somebody had to go to the BBC a long time ago. So I've got this brilliant idea. Here's a man who walks into a phone box and it goes, and then it goes somewhere else. And they sort of opened the door and, I mean, it was dreadfully done. I mean, it really was. It was appalling. And it was originally set in a, in a junkyard. That was where it originated and the phone box was in the junkyard. And the kids came back from school. They came back from school and they went to see their, uh, their grandfather. And uh, then they went off on their adventures. And we loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I loved it in the early days. And then it went a bit silly. And some of the, the swamp creatures just looked like people which they draped things over. And uh, nothing beat the Daleks. Whoever came up with the invention of the Daleks, and that's a thing in itself. I suppose it's quite clever, and it's spawned an industry. It's spawned an industry of people who are addicted to it, in the same way that people like Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, Harry Potter. Every so often you get something thrown up, but this one's been going for 50-odd years. Over 50 years now. And uh, I haven't seen it, I don't know, for probably about 30 years. Wouldn't be remotely interested. I know who the various doctors are. This woman I didn't know, but apparently she has taken her clothes off before now. So, But that's what people are up in arms over. It's the fact it's a woman. And they don't think a woman can do it. I don't know why. I thought a, a woman could um, could sort of do it just as well. But because I don't watch the programme, I don't care. But I've never read so much hatred on the internet from people who are so anti this. Dreadful, really. Uh, so fish and slips. I will come round to that story a bit later on. After half past, we shall... Um, we should run through the front pages of the papers. But I'm telling you now, it is, it's Doctor Who changing sex that seems to have got people excited. And they announced it after Wimbledon. So after Federer won, and they go, oh, Doctor Who is going to be this. Uh, Victoria Beckham, in the papers from yesterday, it's a throwover. The papers sometimes run things on a Sunday, and then they go, we've got a gap on Monday. Oh, let's run Victoria Beckham. The fact that she claimed she designed the new Range Rover Evoque. And uh, was saying, oh, David would like to drive this. I mean, there's, there's no end to the shame of this family. But uh, Range Rover have said, Rover, have said, um, no, she didn't design it. Of course she didn't design it. <laughs> she couldn't design a car. Don't be ridiculous. I mean, she could barely do bell bottoms. Uh, also, uh, Fury at the Stars pay at the BBC. Two things. First of all, uh, you think, some of you, that the BBC are going to tell you what their stars earn. They won't. They're not allowed to do that. That's, that's confidential. You can't do that. If they have companies, then you could probably see if you can have access to companies' house, which I believe you can at the moment. You can find out. At the moment, I think it's free access on the internet. So you can put in a company. You can see, you know, what they turn over and how much. So if you found somebody like, say, for example, Graham Norton, he might have a company. I don't know whether he's got a company or not. You could check him out on companies' house. You can see how much money was paid into his account and how much he's got in, in reserve. But that doesn't give you an indication of how much they're earning, necessarily. Uh, also, they've discovered that uh, apparently some... Well, let's have a look here. Here we go. This is, uh, this is one here. This is uh, Jeremy Vine in Company's House. And uh, he's a, a director. It's an active company. Uh, he was appointed on the uh, 8th of June... Uh, and uh, Jelly Vine Productions, a direct. This is what you can just. This is just you know simple occupation. On on one of them, company director. On the other one, he's presenter. Do we have money on this thing? Do we have any money? Do we have um, <laughs> how much money's got? Oh, we have to pay a little bit more for that one. But uh, it's in, this is what you can find out. Different different companies that he's actually got, and how much money and where where the correspondence address is. It tells you all... You can find these things out. I, of course, am not a company. I'm not, I'm not important enough to be a company. But I'm having a look here. 
Oh, there are all sorts of uh, pages on him. You can find... Blimey, we're finding out all sorts of things now. Good Lord. Here we go. Shareholders' funds. Blimey. In 2014... Shall I not? But this is freely available, this stuff, on the internet. They are, they are quite big numbers. I don't know if this is actual turnover. Because if this is turnover, he's making less in 2015 than he was in... Or is that 20, no, 2015 than he was in 2014. He's got net assets. But then you see, I would expect somebody who'd been in the business a while. But all this is... This is freely available information. This is not... We haven't had to access anything. We haven't had to pay any money. It tells us exactly how much is in, in his sort of funds. Blimey. It's quite a bit of money, actually, isn't it, really? But there again, you could probably type in all sorts of people. I turned on the telly the other night to see... Uh, oh, really? Oh, there you go. And it's got net book value, depreciation, all sorts of things. It's all quite complicated, but it's available to you. So the BBC don't need to print off a, a list of what the people earn as salaries, because if they've got companies, which most of them have, they put their funds through their company. You could probably find the same out for Elton John, but he's got a foundation, so that might be a bit more more difficult. But this stuff is... Freely available. Anybody can access it. It's not uh, not difficult. But why would you be interested in what somebody earns? Do we st- As a child, I think I might have had this fascination. You know, somebody earning, you know, £100,000 a year would be terribly exciting. Nowadays, I'm not really remotely bothered. I've not been on a bus, Steve, uh, in years. But I turned 60 in May. And I've just applied for my bus pass. And I'm adamant I'm going to use it at least a few times. It's free. It's free. You get that nice over 60 pass. You could just get on the bus, and you just get off the bus. Sometimes I get on and then get off the next stop because it doesn't cost anything. Or failing that, I could sometimes I go to the bus driver, I want to go all the way. And instead I find myself standing back at the uh, at the bus stop all by myself again because <laughs> bus, bus drivers don't want to talk to you. Unless they know you. If they know you, they'll go, hi, Steve. I get that a bit round my way occasionally with people who drive buses who know who I am. And I've had it occasionally in town, Miguel... Uh, we had the other day on the bus, who I've not seen in ages. I told you, I thought he'd won the lottery and disappeared, but he hadn't. So that was good news, actually. Good news. Uh, and so people saying, you know, I, I think that bus drivers are really nice, but we don't say anything to them. We don't. I mean, if I'm getting off the bus, if Miguel's on it, I go, see you later, bye. And he gives me a wave. Because, but I know him. I wouldn't say it to a stranger. I don't go up to people in the street and go, oh, hello, how are you? They'd be going, Sorry. You know, they'd be looking around for the camera crew, wouldn't they? Looking around for the camera crew. £13 million fine for the hospital parking. I know. I can't believe it. It's in all the papers today. £12.8 million. It's all the staff in a, in a hospital in Welsh Wales. And they've just ignored the parking regulations. Now, I told you, in a lot of hospitals now, they make a fortune. I think it's hundreds of millions of pounds a year that comes in through parking. Whether the hospitals get a, a percentage of that, I don't know. I don't know how it works for it. They do get a percentage. What do they spend it on? I suppose equipment or something like that. Blimey. But it's it's only in England. But it's certainly a cash cow. Uh, England and Wales do it. And so, free in Scotland. Well, I'm going to Scotland for my treatment, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm more than happy to have my treatment down here. Because I can get the bus. Most buses go direct to a hospital, don't they? It's a, you know, you very rarely find a hospital in the middle of nowhere where the bus doesn't go to. It goes to the hospital. So I, I've been to hospital on the bus. I've been collected on the way back. But uh, these uh, nurses and doctors who've been working there, one lady, £150,000 worth of fine. She's accrued and she's not paid a penny piece. Now, her argument is the hospital should provide somewhere for her to park, which I think they should if you work there. But uh, they don't. They've only got so many space. They've got 6,000 staff in this hospital, and presumably not all of them have collected parking tickets. Perhaps some people, the time you turn up, perhaps it's easy. I don't know. 
But uh, people might have to sell their houses to pay it because the court has ordered that they pay because the parking company want their money. It's not good news, is it, really? I mean, should it be free parking for everybody? You know, if you work for a company in the city, in London, or wherever you happen to be, do you have to pay for your parking or do you get it for free? And the answer is, everything's free in Scotland and uh, perhaps we should all go live there. We should. We could all go to the co- to. Oh, God, my mum's thinking. We could all go to the uh, to the Trossachs, couldn't we, or something like that? And it'd be it'd be nice. But it's all free there. Prescriptions are free too. Blimey, let's go to Scotland now. Let's go to Scotland now. Let's go to Glasgow. Hello, we're here because it's all free. Thank you very much indeed. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice heavy company. 20 minutes past six, Steve Allen's early breakfast. Spare a thought for a chip shop boss who stops serving unwrapped food. You know, you know when you go into a chip shop now, well, in fact, you've done it for ages, and they go, you go a portion of chips, and they go wrapped or unwrapped. And I always go, unwrapped. <laughs> Stick a sausage and batter on the top. Anyway, uh, he's had moans from customers about spilt vinegar. This is a guy called Gary Blown. He's had people trying to bill him for dry cleaning, others complaining over smells, and some moaning about splinters from wooden forks. He blames today's compensation culture. He said, it's mad, but with the complaints, we've got to be careful. I don't want somebody slipping on vinegar and saying we're liable for it. One time, a woman threatened me because her car stunk of vinegar after she ordered chips in paper. She said, I've got vinegar all down me. I told her she she could have them in a box. Trying to bill me for dry cleaning and a valet was ridiculous. Uh, Also, uh, you know, trying to say vinegar made my car smell. What a stupid person she must be. He said, we used to have traditional wooden forks, but someone said they've got a splinter, so now they're plastic. He's had to face flack over the new rules at his great British fish and chip in Chobham in Surrey. Oh, how interesting. Paul Smith, the newsreader, was only talking about Chobham earlier on today. And uh, he says, one regular refusing to pay 20 pence for a box... Oh, sorry, you, there's a charge if you have them in a box. Well, in PKs in Twickenham. And uh, that was in a in a box, and that was OK. I didn't get charged any extra. Morning, Phil Vickery. Um, and he says here, I understand it's frustration, but the way it has to be. So he's introduced after the council warning of a customer litter. My God, what's he got it in for you, matey, haven't they? It's unbelievable. A cleaning bit. Somebody said, oh, the vinegar made it smell. Oh, God. These people are too stupid for their own good. They really are. Uh, the perfect summer day, 80 degrees today. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Tomorrow, thunderstorms at night. Thunderstorms. Be aware. Be very aware. Uh, also, the youngest doctor. This is a university student. Could be Britain's youngest doctor. When he graduates, age 21. 21. So congratulations to Arpen Doshi, who began his studying... Uh, at the age of 17, he will beat the last record by 17 days. Good for you. Good for you. That's what I like to see in this day and age. I don't mind. I've got... I mean, I've had some great doctors over the years. I know we always get this this dreadful scenario where you say, I've had some really, you know, some really good doctor. And people say, oh, I've had a terrible experience. I must be just very lucky with my doctor's surgery. Sometimes they've had a few people on the front desk who've not been up to, up to standard, as I say, but generally speaking, they're great. My last doctor got me through and into the hospital as fast as I've ever known anything happen. He was absolutely brilliant. Mind you, I've got to go back again now. So we'll, we'll sort that one out. Um, I still can't believe the amount of hatred that's occurring on the internet for some poor actress who's been named as the first, the first woman doctor. It's, it's really, it's quite surprising. It's only a television programme. Uh, Ron says, I did read somewhere that Vicky B... Uh, did, in fact, design a couple of aspects of the interior of the Evoke. Yes, she did. 
She did. Uh, but she's sort of made it out like she's designed a car. She hasn't. The car was designed by people long before her. She doesn't have any talent in that department. Rover a little bit, you know, piddled off a thing about the whole thing, sort of saying, basically, you know, it takes a lifetime to learn about designing a car. She can't do it. So she can probably do a top and a pair of bell bottoms, but that's it. Uh, she did um, a set of luggage in it. How difficult can it be to design a box? Must be that. Probably taxed her a little bit. Uh, Mick says, perhaps the doctor is really a man in a woman's body. Could be anything. Could be anything. And the reason it could be anything is because they uh, have this thing whereby he sort of regenerates. So it could be. He could secretly be a man underneath. We, we don't know. Could be a skin that goes over the top. I don't know. John says, I'm disgusted that the new doctor who is a woman. Could only happen under Theresa May. Might as well just give our planet to the Daleks. I know, you're so right. It's the, the trouble is those Daleks have got a lot to answer for. But as I say, most of them were, uh, were women. The Daleks were female. You could tell that. There was a lot of gossiping in the corner. Whenever you used to see the Daleks, going, me, 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 and they argued and then they blew themselves up, which was, uh, was... And the Cybermen are so gay. I mean, come on, look at the look. Look at the look. You know, Cyberman, gay. You know, that's what happens. People will be up in, up in arms about that. Uh, Steve, you can find out a little uh, about the accounts, but these are reduced accounts and only tell you part of the story. Use the information for a number of things, typically to start due diligence prior to getting access to full accounts after signing. Yes, I mean, I'm amazed what you can find out on the Internet nowadays. I mean, the Internet has opened up, God dear, everything. When I think, when I started in the business, our, our sort of Internet was a reference library at the back of News Information run by Vivian Fowle, and it had all the, the Jane's books which were all about the aircraft and tanks and everything else, which we used during the Falklands War. And uh, and that was all our references. Nowadays, you want to know about a guest who's coming in, ting, 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 on the computer, three million pages come up. It's phenomenal. Amanda says, it was Tony Hancock who dreamt up the idea of an alien that was an inverted cone covered with ping-pong balls and a sink plunger sticking out of its head for a sci-fi sketch that he and Terry Nation were writing together. I tell you, it's, it's amazing how it spawned everything, isn't it? I always wanted to buy a Dalek. Down, down the road from me in Twickenham, we've got the shop that sells the Stormtroopers outfits, you know, from uh, Star Wars. He actually won a case against them that he can produce them. So he's got an R2-D2 in his window and the Stormtrooper outfits. I thought they looked brilliant. I think it's the best one ever. Uh, Steve, the bus pass is only issued at 60 in Scotland and Wales, Northern Ireland and London. Apparently, Joe says, throughout the rest of it, it's issued at retirement age. Yes, the, the one that's issued in London is, is the mayor's one. Isn't it? Who cares? I got one. Shh, don't, don't ask. Don't ask. Seriously, I'm not supposed to have it. Gillian uh, Glasgow says, no university fees here either. I'll put the kettle on. Or do you mean I'll put the Doctor Who on? Is that it? Could be that, couldn't it? Uh, a lot of people telling me that, uh, yes, Victoria Beckham did design some interior pieces for the Evoke. Yes, it was a set of luggage and something else, I think. Whatever it was, you know, I don't, I don't think you design a set of luggage now. It's just a box, isn't it, with, with a handle on it. Uh, and Steve wants to know if there's anything more pathetic than grown men playing with skateboards. What's that jumping in the air thing all about? Well, it's certainly not for children. It's way too dangerous. Way too dangerous. I never did skateboards. Never did. I see people on scooters nowadays. Scooters were all the craze, weren't they? And have you seen that one on the internet where this bloke is flying... On a skateboard, and they asked this question on this programme, is this real or is this made up? And it turns out it was real. And he's on like a flat board and he's flying through the sky. I mean, it looks absolutely amazing. And the cameras are following him and everything else. And uh, people had to decide, was it genuine or was it fake? And in his case, it was genuine. And he's now in talks with a company to produce it commercially. 
you imagine how brilliant that would be? To be able to fly through like like that bloke out of Back to the Future, where he flies through the air on this sort of skateboard thing. But this thing, you can go even higher. Looks slightly scary, but I'd, I'd definitely go for it. Definitely go for it. Uh, coming up the other side of the news, I'll tell you uh, what's happening on breakfast this morning. It's Matt Fry, who's in for Nick Ferrari this week. Nick taking uh, a little bit of a break. Actually, it's funny because um, Gloria Honeyford was asking me about him the other day when I was with Gloria and Tony Blair. So I'd mention that, you know, briefly, just so I can sort of elevate myself. Apparently there are pictures of me and Tony Blair. I say, it doesn't matter what you think about somebody's politics. I was still at a private summer party with about 20 of us and Tony Blair walks in and then Cherie follows a bit later on and he was charming and smiled and chatted away to people. There was no standing on ceremony. He was just at a, at a private event. We got lots of security as well, which was quite nice. He, he, he sort of comes with, I think, four security, which is good because when I was going back to my car, they, they looked at me. I thought I'd been tracked. I can tell I've been tracked. They'll probably check the car number plate out as well. Uh, we'll go through the front pages of the papers and uh, well done. Murray wins Wimbledon. Uh, that's the doubles, by the way. That's the doubles. But is it, you, you must get some money for that, mustn't you, as well? Not, not as, well? I hope not as much money. Jamie Murray. It's not, the, it's not the other Murray, just in case you got a bit excited. Andy, of course, was invalided out. But uh, his mother's talking about the, the rivalry between the two of them. That must be awful, mustn't it? Thank God I never learnt to play tennis. Shuttlecock. Shuttlecock I can do. Badminton. Anything like that. Or swing ball. Anything more than that, it, it's pushing it a bit. So does that now mean that Wimbledon's finished? So Wimbledon... There is, right. So what does it do? They get £100,000. Wow. Mind you, even some people who were knocked out on the first day got 35000 didn't they? That's a bit of a swizz. I want a bit more for my money, I think. But now... So what does it do? Wimbledon now put, put the covers back on and they all go into mothballs. Good grief, honestly. What a waste. What a waste. Why can't they use it all the time? You know, they should have people, you know, like me being allowed to go and play there. You can't go and play the outside. You just can't use the big court. Centre court. So that, that's mothballed now till next year. Good Lord, honestly. Isn't it bizarre? That's very odd, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 26 minutes to seven. Good morning. It's Monday morning, 17th of July. Steve Allen until seven. At seven, it's breakfast with Matt Fry in for Nick Ferrari, Philip Hammond has refused to deny comments that public servants are overpaid. These comments show the Chancellor is out of touch. Matt will be speaking to the Transport Secretary, Chris Grayling, as the construction contracts for HS2 are announced today. Plus, do tougher GCSEs stand in the way of a broad and balanced education, as a school chief has suggested. That's all with Matt Fry this morning. In for Nick Ferrari at breakfast at 7 here on LBC. We'll go through the uh, the front pages of the papers. We take all your texts and emails. 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. The Skype story on the front of the Daily Mail is quite interesting. Uh, this is Patience, who dial 999. And I always get a bit confused by this, because apparently if you're calling 999, it's for an emergency. Not as in the case of last week, a number of people phoning up to say that they weren't happy with the football results. I mean, people who are quite clearly too stupid to understand anything at all. But there is another number you call if it's a non-emergency. And, of course, there is an out-of-hours NHS number as well. It's 101. Uh, you call if it's a non-emergency. 999 is for an emergency. And I think the operators are immensely patient. Now they've got Skype. You'll, you'll be assessed over Skype instead of being sent an ambulance. They're cut, and also it turned out the other day, people with suspected heart attacks are not being sent ambulances straight away. I thought that would have been main priority. Trials are underway across England to see if video consultations on smartphone apps could replace ambulances for thousands of lower priority calls. What happens if you don't have Skype? 
You can see a lot of people, can't you, telling lies and going, I'm sorry, I don't have Skype. And then, you know, getting an ambulance sent to them or failing that, not getting an ambulance sent to them and something dreadful happening. I mean, I don't have Skype. I don't have... I've, I had at one... Is Skype what you get on your computer? Right. Video calling on the computer. I've got a Skype phone at home. And to be honest with you, it, it was all the rage at one... Who cares? I've got FaceTime. I don't mind if they say, can we FaceTime? You go, absolutely. I'm in the shower. Call me now. Call me now. Uh, a no-send policy whereby patients are refused ambulances if their lives aren't thought to be in immediate danger. I would have thought actually heart attacks would come right at the top of the list. You know, if you complain about chest pains, that would be a, a reason for getting an ambulance to you. Operators being allowed to take high-priority calls whilst drunk or high on drugs. Have I read that correctly? Operators being allowed to take high-priority calls while drunk or high on drugs. Well, is that the caller or the uh, person doing the operating? Uh, call handlers being banned from giving out medical advice to heart attack patients because they don't have time. Taxis being used to ferry patients to hospitals if ambulance crews are too busy. Elderly patients who've fallen being made to wait nine hours for an ambulance as they're repeatedly bumped down the queue. That's like going in for stents, as I pointed out before. When I went in for stents, if somebody uh, who's more urgent comes into the hospital, they get priority. I've always understood that. I've always understood. If they think I'm urgent enough to put me at the top of the list, then that's fine. If they think I'm not and there's a more urgent case, well, then that's that's fine as well. I don't mind. I never complain about it. But I did have somebody in the bed next to me uh, complaining. He'd been waiting there since eight o'clock in the morning. And the nurse tried to explain to him. But I think she got a bit short, short-tempered on it. Because she said, listen, there's six of you in for this operation. You're number six. OK, they will get round you as soon as possible. Well, I've been in here since eight o'clock in the morning. Well, that's kind of tough. That's kind of tough. I tell you what, why don't you pick your bags up and go somewhere else? Because they're working flat out in the NHS. You know, and to have ungrateful people in there does not help the situation. Uh, the Daily Mail are running. Same story on the front of every paper. Exterminate. It's Doctor Who and he's changed sex. Why are male TV heroes being zapped? And there's a full report in the paper saying, I wasn't aware that they were. Spider-Man's still Spider-Man. Otherwise it'd be Spider-Woman. Uh, I can't think of anybody else who's been replaced recently by a woman. But this is a morphing process, isn't it? He sort of he moves from one character to another. It, it, as I say, it could have been a spider. He could have come back as a lizard. could have come back as just about anything. So it's turned into a woman after 13 doctors and 50, goodness knows how many years on the television. So we're a little bit late with it. We should have done it ages ago. They made a big fuss about it. They're making an even bigger fuss about it today. Sun on the front page again. Jodie is first woman doctor. Kept big role secret. But they're more interested in the fact they've got a picture of her bottom. And they found a, they found a picture of her in, uh, in a series on the television where she, uh, where she bared all. So, of course, that's the excuse now. So you've got a topless picture of her and her bottom. She was a star of Broadchurch. Flashed boobs and bum in film. Darlectable, they say. Little play on words. Somebody obviously sitting there going, I've got the word, I've got the word. Darlectable. That's brilliant. So they made a big deal about it. She's just going to be another person in it. It won't make any difference to the storylines. It's just the Doctor. OK, get over yourselves. Uh, the medics in the parking find fury. They're really unhappy about this. They've managed to rack up over a period of years £12.8 million worth of fines, which they weren't paying. So the company behind the parking in this uh, hospital in Welsh Wales go to court and the court says, you will pay. And one woman's got to pay £150,000. Um, the campaigner, Sue Pryor, I don't know whether she's involved with the hospital or not, but she said it's disgusting. 
and devastating for doctors and nurses across the country. But I don't know whether or not it is across the country or whether it's just at this particular hospital. Because not all hospitals charge. Many do because it's a source of income. And in this particular case, it's run up to... Th- it's not like £100,000 we're talking about. Even I was surprised at the amount. £12.8 million is what's got to be paid back because that's what the company survive on. They survive on that money coming in. And if people are not paying it, it's a case of why, why should you not pay it? You have to pay. They've got 6,000 staff in this hospital. I understand where they're coming from. I wouldn't want to pay it either. I'd be that sort of person going, well, let's, let's not pay. What they should have done, as I pointed out earlier on, is gone to see some lawyers to find out whether or not there was a way round it because they were staff. But I don't think they've got a leg to stand on. Pardon the expression in a hospital, because I think it's a case of you pay if you park in this car park. If you don't pay, you get a fine. One woman racked up all these uh, tickets and she didn't bother, just totally ignored them. Which, if these had been parking tickets in the real world, they'd have had you hauled into court long before this. She's racked up so much money that, you know, it's almost beyond most people's comprehension to cough up £150,000. She might have to sell the house, which I think would be a ridiculous scenario. And I'm hoping perhaps the company might... Sort of say, well, you know, let's go for half the money or something. Even so, seventy-five. how many of you can put your hands on £75,000? It's like saying, you know, £50 million. I was watching a programme the other day on the television about supercars selling around the world. The world's most expensive cars. And they had John Lennon's hearse. I didn't even know John Lennon had a hearse. But anyway, this one looked lovely. <coughs> it didn't achieve its, uh, its um, reserve, which I think was about £100,000. It only got to eighty. But the next car up was a Ferrari. Price tag? £15 million. It looked very average to me. I don't understand why Ferraris sell for such huge amounts of money. I understand the engineering thing, but this thing is like you're sitting on a time bomb. There's a petrol line that goes directly across you at the front. You're sitting on a petrol tank. But yet it had a price tag of £15 million. I think it only got to about £13.5 million. Imagine somebody who's got that in loose change makes these poor medics and the nurses and everything else. Perhaps they'll have to get bicycles because I don't know where this goes to. If the court have decided you've got to pay the money back, where do, where do you go from here? The answer is you probably sit at home and, and go into deep depression. Uh, the Daily Mirror. Uh, winter is here. Your essential guide to Game of Thrones. I've got to hold my hands up and say I've never seen it. I don't know what it's about. People tell me it's brilliant, it's wonderful, but it doesn't mean a thing to me. Uh, Hammond the hypocrite, the multimillionaire chancellor, calling nurses and cops overpaid. Why do we call nurses nurses and yet policemen we call cops? Can't we call them policemen? Is it because somebody can't spell policemen? Like people who write Merry Xmas because they can't spell Christmas. Anyway, he rakes in 10 grand a month renting property as he lives in luxury for free. Yes, I mean, it, it would appear that he's slightly hypocritical. About time, Lord, not a religious story, it's the new Doctor. After 12 male Doctor Who stars, we finally get a woman. They make such a big deal about it. Uh, Frank Lampard and uh, Christine, hi you. Here she is. I won't risk my relationship with Frank by having IVF. Oh, well, there you go. Why do people, people tell you everything about their lives, don't you? There's, there's no secrets. You know, in the paper today, Jordan, uh, or Katie Price, or whatever she's called today, uh, she's decided to reduce her 32 double G breasts next May. I think we'll have forgotten all about Jordan by next May. Uh, Also, uh, the Brit winning Wimbledon, which is good, and uh, all the children out there. And who are the two smartest children? Roger Federer's. He's got twin boys of three, Lenny and Leo. And what a pair of cutesy and and, uh, and a gorgeous sister as well. 
She's seven. He's got twin girls as well. Good Lord. How many, how many children has he got? The kids are absolutely divine. Absolutely divine. They've got the most beautiful outfits on. You'll be looking at these outfits. And I tell you, if this was a royal child, they'd be going, where do you get that from? <laughs> where do you get that from? You'd be going, it's, they're really cute. Little white trousers, matching trainers, white socks and uh, nice shirts. One of them, unfortunately, has got his finger stuck up his nose. But, you know, that's what kids do, isn't it, nowadays? They sit there and they've got no idea what they're doing. But the jackets are really cute. They're really, really good. So I'm glad he's won. I don't know anything about tennis, but I'm always happy when somebody wins. I think that's uh, that's quite nice. Uh, more in the um, Lynx set for a comeback. The Lynx, I thought it was I thought it was that body spray. I thought, oh, good, Lynx is coming back. I thought, I don't think it ever went away. But no, a Lynx, they've done a... They, they haven't been here for about a thousand years. The Lynx Trust has applied to reintroduce six Eurasian lynx in uh, a forest region of Northumberland in a five-year trial programme. Dear God in heaven. However, there are no recorded attacks on humans by healthy, wild Eurasian lynx. What happens to the unhealthy ones? Do we have to sort of look at... I'm sorry, healthy or unhealthy? What are you? I'm unhealthy. That could be nasty, couldn't it? Also, the truth facing a trial in a landmark case. This is uh, some people who went on holiday and became ill. That's what they said. We've had lots of cases like this in the past. And in fact, the last one, he decided he didn't want to go to court. He decided it was going to be too embarrassing because they discovered pages and pages and pages of him having a really super time on holiday, not confined to his bedroom, as indeed he had uh, he had laid claim to. So this is a whole family, I think, this time. Every one of them ill. Uh, they're, they're, they're pushing it to say, no, you weren't. OK, quick time check for you. I know you worry about this on a Monday and I know you think to yourself, God, are we going to get the bus on time? Probably not. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's 12 minutes to seven. It's exciting, isn't it, Monday? I don't know why. I always think Monday's a nice day. Everybody else, of course, hates me for thinking that. Uh, could Steve Allen please correct the non-emergency number? 101 is police non-emergency. 111 is an NHS non-emergency. Is that the um, is that the the one o one? Is that just police? That's the police. Yes, it's not a crime in progress. Yes, uh, Albert says they said they're getting tough with acid attacks. They've said that about knife crime. I'm still waiting. Well, they're having a debate on acid attacks now. How do they differ? Because they're now within what seems to me like less than two months. They've escalated. Now we've got people riding around with knives and with machetes attacking people on the back of mopeds. They've got to stop it immediately. How, how long is it going to take them to talk about this one, Albert? I hope not too long, but knowing, knowing everything that moves in government, it's generally at snail's pace. Uh, Dave says, I pulled into Tesco's yesterday, put air in my tyres. Pound charge, just pulled into Sainsbury's and it's free. Um, well, in fact, every garage charges for air now. I've got a little thing. I'm sorry about that. I've got um, it's um, uh, a tyre inflator. It costs about 30 quid and it's digital and you plug it into the cigarette lighter and you set it to whatever it is, 32, 34, 36. And then you connect it up to your your air inlet thing and you push the button and it, they're a bit noisy. They're not as quiet as you want them to be. And the moment it hits the desired thing, it stops. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You don't need to pay a pound a time. Just go and buy one of these things. Much easier. Uh, Steve, I was watching QVC. They were selling beautiful jewellery. There was all collector's items at nineteen ninety nine. I couldn't help but think of you. Yes, I mean, I always watch these things. It is hilarious. Uh, it is absolutely hilarious. Somebody says you don't get the bus pass when you're 60. It's stopped. No, no, it hasn't. It's still going. Still going. Still going. And uh, harder to apply. 
But uh, mm, it's nice. It works on a Bentley, Warren. Yes, you can pump your tyres up easily on a Bentley. And believe you me, they're more difficult to pump up because the air inlet, you have to put an extender on. Have you seen these before? But the only extender that works is the metal one, which my garage gave me. But uh, yes, it, it, it works very well, actually. And Charlie Girling. Head of our entertainment must be listening to somebody else because she, oh, sorry, we're done here. Uh, she says, I'm jealous of you. You get to watch Game of Thrones from the start. I've never seen it. I don't even know what it's about. I've never I've never seen Game of Thrones. I must be the only person in the entire universe who's never seen it. And oh, the producer's never seen it. Either. I wouldn't I couldn't tell you what it's about. I've no idea. It looks lovely, but uh, but not uh, not for me, I fear. So be not jealous with me. Be not jealous with me. Times this morning. Here he is. This is uh, Roger Federer. They always kiss this. Do they get to keep the cup? This cup that they give them? Or do they get to keep it for the year until next year they've got to bring it back again? They get to keep it. Yeah. You've got to clean the blooming thing. That's a nightmare. There's a lot of Duraglit. Do you think you get a replica made? Uh, lazy police fail to grasp law, says top prosecutor. Criminals are going free because lazy and desk-skilled police do not understand the law. This is Nazir Asal, who brought key prosecutions in the child grooming gang in the Rochdale case, has said that even basic inquiries are beset with problems because police are not investigating properly and are charging cases prematurely. Britain spends billions, the Times tell us, uh, on flawed fighters. Flawed fighters. Uh, The setbacks and hidden charges push the cost of an F-35 stealth aircraft. They're 150 million each. Imagine having your own stealth aircraft. Where would you park that, for goodness sake? That'd have come down a bit uh, a bit strange, wouldn't it? Uh, plus, also, growing up with Ruby Wax, her daughters tell all. Oh, I bet they can tell. But there is in the Times today the A to Z of Game of Thrones. So for all you Game of Thrones fans out there, the Times is going to be your uh, your paper of, uh, of choice today. The Guardian. Oh, guess what? Meet the new Doctor. Dizzy Rascal. And uh, the eighth wonder. How many times has Federer won? Is it eight times he's actually won now? Whatever it is, he's done very, very well. He's won eight times. Apparently, uh, the cup never leaves the home of Wimbledon. They get a replica. And uh, so Roger's now got eight replicas. They're quite big, aren't they? Still a blooming nightmare to clean. You know, you'd be sitting there with that Duraglitz. Oh, God, I couldn't be bothered with it. I'd have to buy one of those automatic mop things that sort of does it. Stripping Grenfell-style cladding put, put, puts blocks at more risk. Every time I walk past a block now, or I drive past a block of flats, I look up and I go, is that, is that cladding or is that not cladding? I don't know. I'm not really sure what I'm looking at half the time. If it goes over the top of bricks, I'm assuming it's called cladding. And I'm assuming it's as uh, as dangerous as it ever was. Uh, Brexit threat to safe and stable food supplies, say the uh, the Guardian. Ministers sleepwalking to high prices and lower standards. I don't know, I do get the feeling sometimes we seem to be lowering standards all over the place, don't we? Everything. We just go, oh, that's the way it is. You know, now we've discovered this morning that the police don't pursue children on little motor scooters with no helmets on because they, they could hurt their little selves. Kind of tough, as far as I'm concerned. They need to change the law very quickly. If they suspect somebody of a robbery, what do they do? Just leave them. They seem to be sort of doing it on all the interceptor programmes, chasing people. Mind you, they have helmets on, but there again, you'd have to be a bit stupid, wouldn't you? A bit of a simpleton to actually be on the back of one of these things with no helmet on. I would have thought, actually, easier to identify you as well. They only put the helmets on to try and disguise themselves, so I'm all in favour of... Uh, don't, don't, don't wear helmets, then. Good chance you're having an accident, and very good chance you're being identified. Uh, the new doctor is a woman. Are they too PC at the BBC, says the Express? I don't know why they... I wonder who made that decision. Do you think somebody actually sort of going... Uh, how about um, Gurley? Anybody up uh, Gurley? Do you think she'd be able to fight people? Is that the new what? The new boss of 
Oh, right, the new boss of Doctor Who decides. And it also made broad... Oh, she was in Broadchurch. That's why. Oh, it's jobs for the girls. Oh, that's why. So, because Jodie Whittaker was in Broadchurch and the new boss of Doctor Who is Chris Chibnall. Chibnall. Right. Uh, Because he worked with her, he went, oh, let's have her. I think they should have had somebody from Midsummer Murders. You know, because there's a lot of killing goes on in Doctor There's a lot of pew, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if we don't cut all ties with the EU, 1.2 million more migrants will head to Britain. It's interesting. I was going to ask Tony Blair about that on uh, on Saturday at this uh, garden party. And I thought, no, no. I'll just tell him it was like meeting the Pope. You know, when it, I mean, I was standing by the doors and he just walked in behind me. There was about ten of us at the party at that time. And uh, it only went up to about 20, 25. And it was lovely. And uh, and there was Tony Blair. And I'm thinking, he's been in every... I said, you, you're a bit newsworthy today, aren't you? And he went, it would appear so. He's quite charming. Quite charming. Uh, Formula One, Lewis, front page of the Daily Star. Uh, because he drives fast racing cars. And uh, Wimbo champ, Murray. Your official Love Island paper tells you that Olivia is part of a sex plot to win. It's fantastic. I mean, you know, I don't know why we just don't don't bother with these things. It's dreadful. It's dreadful. You know, I mean, it's it's a cheap, tacky programme with cheap, tacky people in it. And they seem to hail it if somebody has sex on the television. This apparently is, is front page news. So-and-so's had sex on the television. You think, God, their parents must be so thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. that something that, you know, is really supposed to be confined to sort of, you know, private. You're prepared to do it in front of millions of people. Tramps. Dreadful, honestly. It really is. It's just absolutely appalling. It's like in Big Brother. Vile, disgusting people who argue, use filthy language. I'm not prude. You know, I've used filthy language before, mainly against the producer. You know, you have to occasionally. I tell him, you know, I'm, I'm sort of quite uh, quite hardened to it. You know, I'll use a rude word like, yeah, HR are well aware of this. I don't, they just go, oh, that's Steve. That's Steve. He sort of uses language like that. Uh, Jodie's the new uh, Doctor Who. Well, not really. She's the friend of the producer of Broadchurch, who's now the producer of Doctor Who. So it's it's job. But then you would anybody would do that, you know. If if I was the producer of of sort of Doctor Who and I've been the producer of I don't know sort of Buttermilk Farm or something, I'd pick somebody from there. I go. I quite like this person. Why not? My God, I've never known anything. They get so much coverage for such a naff programme. Uh, Olivia, eyes on prize in the Daily Star. Couples closing in. It's sort of tacky old people on the television who seem to think that they, uh, you know, people want to see them doing it on the television. You know, sad, lonely people, I suspect, mainly involving the TV critics. It's so embarrassing when you get the TV critics who have to brown nose all the programme makers so they can appear on the television. I mean, at the moment, the poor bizarre column in the Sun has turned into the press release programme. That's all they do. They just reprint press releases. Can't be that difficult, but yet they seem to make it look difficult. Hammond accused of Brexit treachery, says The Telegraph. Also, no tennis player in history has had more to be regal about. This is Roger Fed. It just means that he's good. And the other ones aren't as good, which means that he's probably not evenly matched. It's like sort of fighting Frank Bruno. You know, to find somebody like, uh, like Frank Bruno... You know, you'd have to find somebody who hadn't fought for ages and ages to let Frank Bruno win. Because boxing's a right load of old rubbish, isn't it? Uh, Also, nice to meet who? Yeah, this is Doctor Who again. Uh, Charlie Gard's lawyer, a euthanasia charity boss. Charlie Gard's parents are said to be outraged after discovering that the lawyer appointed to represent their 11-month-old son in court heads a charity that backs assisted dying. Victoria Butler-Cole, who speaks on Charlie's behalf in court, is chairman of Compassionate in Dying, a sister organisation to Dignity in Dying, which campaigns to make assisted dying legal in the UK and was formerly the Voluntary Euthanasia Society. 
something they're getting very angry. You get the feeling that Charlie Gard's uh, parents are getting very, very angry at the moment. Uh, she will be allowed uh, in today the meeting with this um, this surgeon from America. I don't think she's allowed to ask questions. I think she's there partially as an observer because they'll be talking about things that she wouldn't understand. So we'll wait and see what happens with uh, with that one. Thank you for your company today. Very grateful. You can listen to uh, LBC whenever you want and wherever you are. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show, at Steve Allen Show. And uh, you can podcast this programme. We have a free podcast up for you today, which is uh, ready and available and will be uploaded, as they say, in a matter of minutes. If you download that LBC app for your mobile or tablet, you can never miss a moment. Wherever you go in the world, you can tune into LBC. So that's that's really, really good news. And uh, it's lbc.co.uk. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 this morning, it's James O'Brien. But up next, in for Nick Ferrari at breakfast, it's Matt Fry. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.